I was finally understanding what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. Because, like, the big thing for me is, like, I knew the business side before I moved to L.A. Like, I took probably, like, before I moved to L.A., that's what I want to do. I researched it. I always learn. I listen to podcasts. I listen to videos. The business side is what's important. Because there's going to be a lot of great actors. If you're a great actor, but you don't understand the business, how far is that going to get you? Same thing for crew. Yes. Hello and welcome to the Merit Makers Podcast. My name is Chris Skamra. I'll be your host. Today with us, we have James Musaitif joining us. But first, before we get to the episode, I just want to send out a quick reminder. For those of you who are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, thank you so much for giving us your time today. I wanted to also let everyone know that we are broadcasting live on YouTube. All these episodes that we've been recording thus far have been archived on our YouTube channel at Merit Makers Podcasts. If anyone out there wants to be a guest on the show, if there are any freelancers, actors, talent, or anybody in the film industry that would love to come on and have a conversation, feel free to check out the link in the YouTube description. That's the only place you can find it. If you are interested in coming on the show, feel free to fill out the form that that link is attached to, and I'll be more than happy to talk with you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. James, thanks for ta- uh, coming on today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And so it's an honor to be here with you, Chris. Really appreciate you taking the time. So in regards to how we do things on the show, I'm sure you're familiar with it by now, but just for people who are tuning into the show first time or um, in case anyone needs reminded, essentially the goal of this show is to kind of let everybody know who our guest is and what they do in the film industry. Essentially what I'm looking to do is give people a platform, a place to be able to share their mindset, work ethic, portfolio, essentially everything about them so that if there's anyone out there who either wants to collaborate or um, hire you as a freelancer or in your case as an actor, bring you on to set for um, playing a part, uh, that can happen. So um, let's get your social media out there to the public first before we get into anything. So where can people find you? Instagram, Facebook? Yeah, I mean, Instagram's cool. Uh, My Instagram is James and then my last name, M-U-S-E-I-T-I-F, James Musaitif. Gotcha. Well, sweet. And uh, if there's anywhere else you are able to be found, I'm sure we can also plug that in at the end. So everyone who might be interested, take a listen. (laughs) Uh, In regards to your story, I kind of want to get into at first um, where you are looking to go in the industry from a talent perspective. You're the first actor we're having on the show. So this is a little bit of a new territory for me. So far, it's just been freelancers and crew. Right. I'm wondering to start things off, sort of what genre are you looking to work in right now and kind of where has your experience been so far in the film world? Absolutely. Um, As far as John, the characters I want to be playing in the future, um, regardless if it's TV shows or movies, I think as a kid, I've always grew up kind of being a funny kid. Um, And so I've always thought comedy was my, you know, cup of tea. But then when you think about it and learn about typecast and you're the characters you play and the person you're more alike, you start to realize what best fits you and what you're better at. Um, with that being said, over the years, I've realized I felt being a dramatic character and dramas are more of my style. And, you know, I feel like I play that part better than if I were to play a comedic part. Um, and I've been just actually recently getting into comedy more. And I could tell it's a little, you know, harder than drama is for me naturally. And I mean, I love the challenge, but I feel like when it comes to the characters I love to play and what I feel like it's most best and more natural for me, it comes to drama. Hmm. So in regards to doing drama content, um, I am less familiar of sort of maybe the sub genres of the uh, drama genre. Are there different areas that you can get into or is it more just... 
maybe educate me a little bit if you could yeah. on what is involved in being a drama actor. What are the things that you focus on? Um, what's sort of your routine or get, I guess, or how is it when you, when you receive a, a, a drama script, what is it that you try to bring out of that character? Where's your focus whenever right. you see that, um, opportunity? I mean, you think about it, honestly, it's, it, you can go anywhere with it. It just all really depends on the story and really what it's given to you. Um, I mean, you have different stuff when it comes to dramas of, you know, um, you know, abusers, uh, people with psychomaniacs. Um, but then you also have that, you know, high school jock. You consider that more of a drama, too, when it comes to sense if you're going up to bully someone. Um, so there's so many different ways you can play it. And um, just things that are so difficult when it comes to dramas is like, you know, potentially playing someone else's lifestyle you're not used to. Like, if I'm going to go play a heroin addict in a movie, you really have to research that part. You have to be the character. You have to see. I'm not saying go do drugs, but I'm saying, hey, you have to really sit down and think, hey, what can I do to be this part without actually doing the stuff? Just learning the streets. I mean, I've known there's been a lot of actors who, you know, stay homeless for a couple nights or, you know, go to rehab, like rehab centers, stuff like that to really fit that part. So, I mean, it goes everywhere as far as dramas. It just really, really depends on the type of character you're going to be playing. But, I mean, you can take it anywhere, and there's a lot of different parts, and it gets harder and harder once you kind of pursue it. I think that really gets into method acting especially, where if you are going to be, like you said, um, being a homeless guy for um, a show, you're probably going to want to have a little bit of experience or knowledge in the back of your brain as to what that feels like. So then you can bring out that character or the emotion or whatever it is that's required of you while you're shooting. Um, have you had any experience doing that? And if so, if it's not too sensitive, you know, what was involved in that? Um, with my show really in the past, I've been able to ask people, you know, what equipment do you use? Or um, what is your process for doing whatever crew position or job that you right. have? It's harder to ask those kind of questions for an actor because it's a lot of mental behind the scenes, back end, quote unquote, if I can use right. a coding term type stuff. Um, what does that look like for you? You know, um, unfortunately, I haven't really got to the po point in my career since I'm obviously fairly new and haven't booked very many, you know, big credit gigs um, or had the opportunity. But when it comes to like scenes for showcases and stuff, um, I think it was about last year I was really trying to, I was doing a showcase event for talent agents and managers and um, a great acting coach and mentor of mine John Aquino, had really wanted to dive in deep for a character for me um, and just as fortunately I mean you really have to target yourself and like push yourself as an actor and regardless of stereotypical or whatever that's how you break yourself in and you have to really show what you can offer and what's different than you about everyone else um, so me obviously being Middle Eastern there's a lot of, you know, really, really direct roles for me as far as if it would be like a refugee, a terrorist or whatever. But we um, thought it was best. We did some research and some things that would really stick out. We we found a scene from the show 24. I don't know if you've ever heard. Unfortunately, um, no. It's a big TV show. I think it had a lot of seasons. I wasn't very familiar with it either. But um, I don't know if you um, if you know the actor Rami Malek, mm -hmm. who was in Bohemian Rhapsody recently won, and I think I believe an Oscar at that a few years ago. Um, but he had a, he when he first started out he did the um, the show Twenty Four, and essentially long story short the, the I mean he was playing this American um, citizen who was about to plan some bombing, and right in front of it you know he's about to do it in front of his mom everyone was telling him stop, et cetera and um, when I had that character, I read the script and I go wow this is gonna be a tough character. Over time I sat there for 
day by day, hours and hours, just trying to study this character. And I worked with coaches. And realistically, you have to find it in yourself. You have to picture yourself, go through your experiences in life. Um, for example, if I'm going to be killing myself in front of my mom, I'm thinking about the best moments I've ever had with my mom are the saddest. And I'm mixing those together. I'm merging those together. And I'm like, hey, putting myself in the shoes, like if I were to kill my mom, kill myself in front of my mom, excuse me, and how would I feel and how would I react? So with that being said, it took me so long to find it. And towards the last day, I found it. And I just went off and I raged in the scene. And I'm talking about real teardrops, real everything. And I sat there and I was mentally drained. Just from a two-minute scene. But you think that you put so much effort and time and just so much of your own, you know, your mind is going insane as far as your blood's going up. And I, I just wanted to fall. I wanted to just pass out. But once I sat there, I go, this is what I love to do. If I can bring a character and bring it to life that's not a part of me or explain someone else's life, that's what I'm here to do, if that makes sense. Hmm. That's the closest thing to method acting I think I've came to, but I definitely, definitely want to, you know, have a role one day for me, and I can definitely study character and go by all means and do whatever I can for it. I think one of the hardest things that, and as an actor that you can do, and this is coming from someone who is not an actor, so I'm on the outside peering in. Right. Um, I have acted before, but it's I by no means have any wish to pursue it. What I'm trying to say here, though, is that I think that's one of the best things that you can do in order to, and one of the hardest things to do in order to stand out in your field you're always playing someone else. You're never playing yourself. Right. And so what about yourself can you bring into that role or that character? Or what can you bring to the table as a component of production? Mm -hmm. um, being able to go the distance, so to speak, um, no one, in my opinion, should go to the point where, you know, let's, um, let's take Heath Ledger, for example. Right. That's a very famous and unfortunate case. Um, you shouldn't go um, so far as to make it dangerous, but being able to go all the way and put as much effort in as possible, people in this field recognize and uh, reward people who work hard. Right. And that's another reason why I try to invite people onto the show is because I'm trying to find people with merit, with that type of mindset of, you know, like you said, you're not just reading lines off the script if you are going to um, kill yourself in front of your mother. Yeah. But you're really digging deep into it and thinking, okay, take it seriously. Put yourself in the shoes of, I don't know what the character's name was, but whatever that character's name was, put yourself in their shoes and in their life. Live their experiences in your memory so that then you can recall that mm -hmm. and bring it to the forefront. Um, I know of a few different directors that I've talked to in the past where some interesting tactics that they use to help their actors get to that place is they use personal stories from their past and they really get right. and this is something i respect about um, a few directors of uh, friends of mine they take the time to sit down and get to know their talent before the shoot it's not just you're meeting the guy on on the day you're sitting down with lunch you're sitting down to take them out to lunch or you're um, uh, making making a friendship and learning about their past mm -hmm. and this can kind of come off as uh, manipulative i suppose in a sense if you think about it that way, but what some of these directors do is they learn about the person's past so that then they can bring up memories that they know their talent has already had in the real world and from their real life experiences and compare them uh, to the talent 
uh, uh, to the talent's character on set. So say um, you're, you're doing a scene at a, keep it family friendly here, like a, a birthday party. Mm-hmm. Um, and the director and you talked about a very, like your best birthday party you ever had as a kid. Right. You're supposed to be acting um, in the scene as the person whose birthday it is. And it's like one of the best birthdays ever. They will then recall They'll tell you to think about or ask you to think about that favorite experience you ever had, and that helps you and aids you in playing the part because you're able to bring something that was real out of the depths of your memory and put it on the screen, so to speak. Have you ever had that kind of experience, or do you... uh, What do you think about that, I suppose, is what I'm trying to ask. No, I mean, that's. I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, if you think about it in regards, like, everyone's going to have their own story to tell. With that being said, every actor is going to not necessarily tell a different story on the screen when it comes to the actual part, because the script is the same, but everyone's choices may be different. Does that make sense? In a way, I suppose. Could you elaborate? Yeah. So, for example, you know, if we're going off a birthday party experience, I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about maybe your happy time or whatever. What's going on? You're trying to put that into character. What makes you happy or you're bringing your happy place. Everyone has a different train of thought when it comes to their happy place, however it makes them feel. So if we're all thinking of the same thing and we're trying to put it out there, people can play in different ways. I don't know if I'm making sense, but I feel like that's what's, I mean, that's the beauty of it. Everyone has their own life story. And just if I bring my personal experience and so on, and you bring your own personal experience, it might not, cross, you know, it might not come across the same way, hmm. if that makes sense, because we have different stories. But then again, I mean, it's still still there yeah that's um that's more of what i was hinting at earlier when i said you're always playing someone else you're never really playing james Mm -hmm. unless your character's name is james i suppose right but when you are um as an actor you are always trying to either create or embody a entity that a writer has created and so you have to learn about that character and then you have to figure mm-hmm. out how would they act or how would they portray emotion in this scene. And as someone like yourself who's wanting to put a lot of effort into it, I think that is a way that you as the actor can bring yourself to the table is not necessarily the part you play, but how you play it, how you choose to study, right. how you put that time and energy in, how much effort do you contribute I think is is a key identifier in a way that you as a talent can stick out in the industry. Absolutely. And that's what I was trying to get at earlier. Right. Um, you mentioned drugs as well in a, a minute ago. Um, I wanted to also possibly bring up, there was, a, there was a project you recently released on your socials. At the time of recording, like we're like what, beginning very early April? This is, it's April 1st today. Yeah. April Fool's Day. It is. Uh, from my from my uh, recollection, you recently put out a short project that you guys shot. I don't know who was on the crew. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very brief when I saw it on social media, but it was some sort of like gangster style. Oh, short the film, car. Yeah. The car film where you were in a parking lot. Uh huh. Um, how was, what was the process like for you prepping for that show? And if I don't know what you're able to talk about or what you're not, or like, right. I mean, it's actually released. So, um, I kept the link on for a while. I don't know if you saw, but the link is not currently there. But I do have to show you after. Um, I mean, realistically, man, like, uh, I don't want to jump to things, but most importantly, what's for important for me right now is footage. As an actor, you need to have footage, and you need to have things to, you know, back yourself up. If you're getting 
if you have agents and managers, they need to submit you. So while I've been back here, I've been really taking advantage of getting footage and been working with groups, getting on those pages. And I found, uh, I mean, a great team that was casting for uh, a, a short called Freaking Gangsters. And when I read this, uh, the breakdown of it, it was um, my character's name. And then it had uh, said, um, you know, must be able to decently rap. And he's playing this part of a gangster wannabe type thing. And um, he's in the car with his homies. And once I saw that, I was like, this is a different character. It can kind of bring that drama and comedy side that I'm lacking together on my portfolio. Um, so I submitted, I auditioned, and I got the part. Um, and then I went up, and uh, it was this really corny rap, but it had a great flow. Um, I got to record it with some of the guys. I went there prior to the shoot, recorded the, video, the, the sound for the rap so we can add it on later to the project. And, I mean... It was a little funny rap, and it was and it flowed really well. I got to put my own twist to it, um, and we went and shot, and it was so cold, man. It was Super Bowl weekend, and uh, I was trying to hint to, like, I, I forgot it was a Super Bowl, but, you know, when you do things you love, you don't mind. You'll push anything aside. But, um, I mean, these guys, I mean, he had a great crew, real professional equipment. Um, you're familiar with... Um, believe the place is Ohio HD mm-hmm. yep. yeah they got equipment from all there one of the guy works there he gets a great deal and we're talking we have an amazing you know black magic they have all these crew. I mean they had stuff I've like I've seen on sets when I was working you know as a assistant on sets or as a stand-in in LA you know mm-hmm. like I was just amazed and everything like they had you know everything you can imagine as far as they were ready great crew everyone's there but it was the only issue was it was cold I mean, long story short, we pushed through it, and the set was just real fun, man. We just had a good time. Um, I was just this wannabe gangster with my buddies rapping, and then there's this one guy who was really not on the same page, who was kind of a freak and kind of essentially in the script, in the short you would hear pussy. Um, he was like a big pussy in the sh- uh, in the short, and he kind of really screwed things up, and he- we were on the same page, and um, we later on did something bad, and... Uh, Someone got shot, and we kind of played it off there. But, I, I mean, one thing, I personally thought it was one of my best clips I've had just because there's so many different reactions and everything felt natural to me. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned that. It was probably one of my uh, favorite projects I've worked on. Glad to hear it. That's uh, I've I've seen, if not all of it, I've seen at least a good majority. So, right. Um, great job for getting out there, man. I, I appreciate mean, it. I know Thank both you. you and I are hustling our butts Trying off in to. the industry. And so it's... It's always good to see people that are getting stuff done, especially like with COVID and all that. It's been really tough for everybody. Right. Uh, with the, um, you said, I, I want to get to this in a second, but that kind of touches on touches into uh, uh, your backstory a little bit. So I'm not going to go there quite yet, but you did mention um, getting back here. I don't know how many people know this about you that might be listening to the episode, yeah. but you are currently like in between Ohio and L.A., um, that's going what it back is, yeah. and forth. So um, let's get into that a second in a second or two. But I also wanted to cover something that happened to you recently before we get there, because we're also on the topic of like gangsters and gangster life. I'm right. the last person in the world to know or be related to anything in that sector. Like people know me, I'm very boring. Right. <laughs> uh, but I work hard. And so uh, what I'm trying to get to is recently you had an incident in your personal life mm-hmm. um and uh, this is me coming at it from i, I don't really know you too well you yeah. and i have only worked together on what one project with a uh, good friend one Nick. project and a few zoom meetings we had a little uh work with 
Yeah. So we've only gotten to know each other very, very briefly. So I don't know a ton about the story of the situation, but I wanted to tie this in a little bit because you had a recent um, event happen with your, uh, where you work. And I believe is it, is it family owned store? It is a family owned store. So my uh, family's actually on a lot of furniture stores. Mm -hmm. I mean, some are in decent locations, some are in fairly terrible locations, um, just depending on where it's at. But um, one of our nicer stores is actually in a I would say there's a lot of gangs. I mean, you have a lot of young kids going on trying to be gangsters or whatever, and um, I can't really put my sh- you know self in those shoes. I don't really know what's going on, but there is a lot of gang activity around the area. Um, and I just, I mean, I before you get in, I think you've kind of asked it. And I know kind of what you're going to ask. I'm assuming you want to know what, what happened, what, what went down. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. long story short, I'm browsing through Instagram one day, uh, and I come across your page, not like the first time I'm seeing you, but after we've met, and so I'm already following you, and I see on, on my feed, like, oh, shoot, no pun intended. James, right. like, is in the middle of a gunfight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not that yeah, you're, not literally. That you're shooting, but, like, <laughs> it was, apparently there was some sort of shooting incident or crime that happened in front of one of the stores. And so I'm wondering, could you tell us the story there? And I have a couple questions after. Sure, sure, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because um, definitely uh, f- definitely needs to be talked about. Um but with that being said, yeah, like I was saying, um, we work in a store, and I was with customers. It was a busy Saturday. I'm a sales rep there right now with my family, so I, um, temporarily. But uh, I was working with some customers, and all of a sudden, I hear like a big boom, like a car crash in front. We have these big glass windows in front of the store. So I just kind of seen the two cars colliding. But then I see some guy running towards the store, and he's like urgently running. I'm a, and he gets out of the car that guy hit. And I'm assuming the guy's running towards the store. Maybe didn't have a phone call, 911, something happened. So I kind of meet him out there to go see what's going on. And then all of a sudden I see him run past the store. So now I'm thinking maybe the guy doesn't have insurance, you know? <laughs> maybe he's just running from the scene because he just doesn't want – maybe it's a stolen car because there's stolen cars there. They steal from the parking lots all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with that. So then I just kind of stepped outside a second – all of a sudden, I see a, a car just drive by right next to me. Four guys popping this guy with a gun, like, pow, pow, pow. And I'm right there, and there's ARs, man. I'm telling you, Chris, there's ARs. This is not no handguns. Mm. And I instantly run, and I dip inside the, you know. And there's these two little girls that were customers, the daughters, that were in the front of the store. They tried to go outside. But I grabbed and pushed them to the side a little bit. And, you know, it got closer and closer. And all of a sudden, the guy's running right behind me. And he's getting, so little did I find out, this guy's getting chased in, right? Mm. He's getting in chased in. Into the store? Into the store. Oh, dear. And I'm like, who was, who, are these, like, who's chasing him? But then I realized, and I start to put things together after watching the cameras, this guy was getting chased initially by a gang, and he was by himself. So he ran a red light, and he hit a car in traffic. Mm. So when he hit a car in traffic, he got out of his car and started running because his car wasn't doable. He couldn't drive no more. But the car behind him wasn't hit. So as soon as he, you know, he starts running, he gets shot, the safest place to come in was the store. The guy runs in right behind me, and they start, you know, shooting in the store. Right behind me. And I'm like, it's loud, AR, and I'm freaking out, dude. I run to the side, dive in, and I look back in the cameras, and I was close, man. If I haven't made that right cut, took it down, I could have probably got hit. Um, but my reflexes are sweet, man. You don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, <laughs> like, thank, I mean, I thank God. Um, it was tragic. It was real tragic. I was there for hours to hours after, and I just was like, I always hear them outside, but for it to be right in front of me and just to see the flames, like, because ARs, they just, like, when you shoot, it's like fire. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get muzzle flashes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't. I've never been to. No, I don't shoot at gun range. Like, I don't own a gun. Like, I don't know about this stuff. I mean, I know it's legal to have a gun and stuff, and I think it's legal to own one of these ARs, right? I mean, AR-15s. Uh, I'm assuming it's a 15. Yeah, because that, that's the most common one on the market. Not to go too much into gun yeah. safety and regulation and all that. That can I, be for di- different podcasts. Yeah, I'm, I'm into all that stuff. But yeah. point being is. Um, it is possible to legally own an AR in Ohio currently, yes. Okay, so that's probably what it was. Um, and I'm assuming that none of those guns were in those names because those ki- though they were kids, man. My guess is no as well. If it's, yeah. I mean, if, the, if it's they a didn't gang, know how to use them. Gang, I mean, realistically, they, they aren't um, legal owners or they're yeah. not registered. They had to at least shot him like 15, 20 times outside. They come in the store, probably blast him eight times, and the whole time they shot him once in the hand. The guy actually made it out in the warehouse and escaped, and the other guys just took off because they knew the cops were coming. He made it in one piece? He made it in one piece with just one freaking bullet in his hand. How did you know he got hit in the hand? Uh, he was in our warehouse. Oh, so, so he, the was, cops like, ran he out was hiding there. in the warehouse. He, that's what he ran. Once he ran, he made it out safe, but they missed every shot in the store. They shot him outside once. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of damages in the store, but, I mean, thank God no one was hurt. That was the most important part. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm I'm thinking right now about the kids and and all of like how many customers were in there. It was actually packed a Saturday, man. And um, I mean, realistically, obviously the guy had one goal. He wasn't in there trying to shoot anyone else, but um, it could have went bad because everyone kind of like he ran in this path, and all the customers kind of collided together and ran together. So it was mm-hmm. just like you know he could have shot at anyone he wanted to. Um, I would like to think he missed because he didn't want to shoot any of the other customers, but I don't know that. So um, he was also armed. Uh, no, the other guy wasn't armed. No. The, the guy was running fleeing. wasn't armed. But there were how, so how, he was just running with the pack because everyone, as soon as the other gunman came in, they all started running together. Makes sense, hiding so, the crowd. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know if it was intentional, but I mean, I stayed away from the crowd. So um, I mean, like I said, luckily no one was hurt. Hopefully, we don't have this incident. But then again, that I mean, that location over on that street, I wouldn't be surprised. I I don't mean to keep staying on on the story because like these types of events, it's. My opinion, it's not a good idea to glorify them, but it's important to also get the right. story right. So I'm going to ask a couple clarification sure questions. Thing. In order of events, and this is kind of important a little bit later to future questions that I have, um, you have essentially gang and then guy, right? Uh-huh. You have the person who's fleeing. I don't know the reasons. I don't expect I don't you to either. either. Yeah. And then you have a group of guys, at least three, question mark? Four. Armed? Four? Four armed, armed yep. Okay. Two came in the store, but four were shooting outside. Okay, that was another thing I wanted to get yeah. to is how many got in the store, because it sounds like they did, but I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Car crash at a light right in front of the store. Guy yeah. gets out of the car, runs into the store, the person who's fleeing. Gang members pursue on foot? No, gang members pursue in car. And then get out of the car at the store? Yeah, so what happened was initially, as soon as I got outside when the guy was running, they had drove by him, okay. shooting at him right next to me. But I ran inside. As soon as he ran inside, two of them came in. Two were still in the car, hmm. as far as I remember. Well, that would make sense. They mm-hmm. probably want to stay there, keep it running in case they need yeah. to get away. Um, so you have the 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 person who's fleeing run through the store, makes it to the safe house. There are people in the store. You're in the store. Um, when the w- What I'm trying to figure out is what happens to the gunmen that come in that are armed, that are chasing the guy, do they just see that he's, like, too far gone and they turn around yeah. and leave? Or I mean, do they pursue? No, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, realistically, when you come into a big commercial building like that, you know, I mean, not only was there cops called because of the accident outside, it was bad. I'm sure the other people who got hit, you know, they were just driving. They had nothing to do with the situation. I'm sure they were just as scared as we do, as we were, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, realistically, um, they're kids. I mean, I don't think they're any older than us. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and they obviously never, I mean, the reason I say they don't, the guns aren't in their name is because they don't know how to freaking use them. Hmm. Like, how are you missing this many times throwing it around like, you know, it's it's a toy? Um, so, I mean, they had, they were smart. They knew to get out and the scene, and luckily they had those big masks, so they weren't seen. But I'm assuming um, that the guy was getting chased knew of them. So he was able to talk to cops and tell them. So, I mean, that's as far as that's all I know. Um, it was a tragic moment, but it didn't affect me too much. It is what it is. It's all good. I'm glad it's not. If, if someone were to go through that, I can't speak for everybody, but oftentimes mm-hmm. people gain trauma from that kind of experience. Yeah. And this is kind of going where I, the whole reason why I asked about this story in the first place is because we talked about personal experience right. and being, having that, that being applied to your acting. And I knew that you had recently gone through this, although I didn't know the details. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to find out. Why did I want to find out? Because I want to see now what is your thoughts on how you're going to use that for your acting. Because right. now if you're playing a part where, you know, maybe you're working a gas station and someone comes in and tries to rob it, this is in the movie or in whatever you're shooting. You know what's you funny about probably, that? Excuse me? Yeah, I just played that part. Really? I just played that part uh, not even a couple days ago. No way. Yeah, a little comedy skin, and the ending, I was getting robbed at gunpoint. Legit, I had um, no idea. Like, I mean, it wasn't like, it was more of a kind of like a comedy part of it, but my reaction was, you know, like, you know, but um, it's funny you mentioned that, because okay. what are the odds? It's very ironic. Yeah, well, I mean, did that, so that opens up a whole new door of questions. Yeah. But, um, and did that happen? Did your shoot with where you're getting held at gunpoint happen before or after? After. That? Okay. So that would have been a perfect time for you to be able to do what we were talking about a little bit ago, where you draw from that memory right. that you had as a, you know, from your real life and then apply it to your acting. So you can recall what it was like being scared to death of having a gunman in your family right. store and then apply that. Like, it, did you, did you do that or was it, you I'm know, assuming it was probably fairly fresh. So, um, you know, that's a great question, Chris, honestly. Um, you know, it really depends on the situation. Now that we mentioned as far as trauma um, and what experience it could do for me and the parts it could help me play, um, I feel like I haven't really had, and uh, I mean, this could be a great thing, an experience in my life to really change me and change who I am or like a big death that really made me change the way I think about life or something that's very traumatic. Um, and they ask you a lot like your biggest blenders in life. And there's really, I don't have a biggest blender that made me, like, you know, think about it all the time and makes me react to things and use it as a personal experience, if that's being said. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like that gun shooting, it affected me a lot as far as, you know, being scared and fear and all that stuff. But I don't think it affected me as much as it should have. And I wanted it to just to help me out in future experiences um, because it was just like another day for me. I mean, I deal with that kind of stuff all the time, but not to that serious of an extent. Mm-hmm. But with going on with that part, um, I think there was, like, similarities of the, you know, how I reacted. But, no, I don't think I reacted to it as much as I should have and put it in my own personal experience. Now, that could also be because of the, you know, the setting of the scene and, um, you know, the story on how it's not that dramatic. It's more of kind of, like, you know, funny comedy type of thing. That could be it, too. And that was just the character I was playing. But then, again, it was also, like, four in the morning, you know, an overnight shoot. And it was the last scene of the shoot. So I kind of reacted in a way. Which... Um, I'm not happy about, I, I should, I mean, I wish I can go hundred percent at all takes, but I mean, it just really depends on the situation, but, um, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I mean, I didn't even really realize that myself. That's something I definitely need to take advantage of me even learning. Um, and just further on down the path that, 
use your personal experiences. You know, this is what's going to pop you out. This is what's going to make casting directors like you more in the audition room. Everyone has, like we just mentioned, everyone has their own personal experience. Now, which one are they going to like more? Exactly. Yeah. And it's all about figuring out how you can, I mean, it goes back to what we talked about a second ago, which is being able to stand out, but you're playing someone else. So it's one of the hardest things I think in our industry that you can do is as talent is portray an individual and yet retain some of your own personality at the same time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why you see a lot of the big name actors get picked because not only are they picked because they can play that character, but because they bring their own, their, their own shine or their own sparkle to the table on top of that. Right. Um, with that being said, I'm looking also at, um, the, uh, where you'll be going in the future. Where, where do you want to end up? And there's another note I want to talk about as well. And we'll circle back to what you just talked about, but I'm wanting to make sure we get this out of the way kind of early as well. Uh, even though we've been talking for a few minutes, uh, is, uh, are, you're currently going back and forth between LA, which we talked about Mm -hmm. a minute ago. Um, are you looking to end up in LA as a resident? Or are you looking to maybe do like go out to LA for bigger gigs and then work a lot in yeah. the West? What's what's the game plan for you right now? If you have one, if you don't, it's fine. No, know. I mean I have a game plan, and I think I've always did. I mean, obviously as a kid growing up, the first thing I wanted to ever do was you know move to LA. I mean I saw the opportunity, um, and I don't want to get into my childhood too much right now. But with that being said, that's something like hey, I've always wanted to do. As soon as I graduated high school, that was the first step I moved. Um, I was at. A, I mean, we can get into that story later. But to answer your question, I had an original plan, but with COVID, it kind of brought me back. Um, just being in my apartment was kind of boring. No opportunities. The industry was shut for who knows how long. Um, so I felt like the best thing for me to do was, hey, come back home uh, with my family, being around them, get together with some local filmmakers of mine, create some projects, better up my portfolio. Um, take classes online and work while I'm here and make some extra money to be more prepared when I come back. But, yeah, I should be moving him back out there. Um, my buddy's heading out there next week, I think, uh, I think the 7th. So he's going to be out there next week. And um, hopefully by the time this podcast is out, I'll be back in L.A. I think within the next month I should be back out with a new apartment. So I'm excited about that. Sounds good, man. Yeah. Hoping for the best for you. That's Appreciate a, it. Like I've got, I've got a few friends who are thinking about moving out there and – I mean, cost of living here versus there yeah. is dramatically different. Dramatically. But, uh, I mean, if you want to do something, Chris, you got to do it. You got to figure out a way. Yeah. If you're not going to give it all, if, it's, if it's that's not you're going to be your 100%. Like, if you know you're going to go out there or if you're if and out just because of the money or if you're not completely committed, I wouldn't do it. But if you're completely committed, this is really what you want, then go for it. Because if you put your mind to it, you put 100%, I promise you, you will see results. Um, and if, once you see the results, it depends on what you go, what you do from there. If you take advantage of those results and you keep going, then God knows where you could be. Exactly. The question is, how do you stick out at that point? And that's kind of what we've been covering a little bit is how you as an actor, however anyone as talent can maybe take a few steps and figure out, okay, uh, I want to be able to be different mm-hmm. in the field because there's so many people who want to do what I do. I, mean, right. I, I don't think enough of us take the time to think about how fortunate we are to do this job as a living. Um, I mean, I know you and I at this point aren't, you know, we're not um, swimming in cash or anything, but we're on track to be able to get to a point yeah. where we can make a living and we can do this full time. Um, and there's no shame anyone out there who's having to work a day job right. to, to get this through. Like, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, um, if you don't mind me interrupting. No, uh, no, go for it. It's just so we get, so I can step on that. Um, you're right. I mean, 
like we've mentioned, my family owns a bunch of furniture stores, uh, which does fairly well. And it's great money on my end, too, as a 19-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely work my way up and make good money doing it. Um, and there's also a part of comfortability. I have a great job, and some days it's very easy. I get to sit down and get up and talk to customers. And some days, mentally, it's a little hard dealing with orders and customers and service and all that. But for the most part, it's a great job, a great paying job, and I can only build my way up. Um, I offer actually I really did. Um, I got offered a great position with a company just from working there out to work in L.A. Nice. Five days, easy, easy job. I mean, they said guaranteed $75,000 a year just to start. There you go. Um, but you think about that, and I'm like, hey, um, you're working with this big company. Even though it might be easy, you still have to put in the effort. As an actor, you never know when you're going to get a gig. You never know when you're going to get an audition. You never know when they're going to call you for anything or, hey, we need you to change this. And you really have to be flexible if you want it. You know, there's people out there who are who are actors, but, you know, who audition once a month or who, you know, don't put the commitment in they should, and that's why they don't see the results going back to results. If you put everything aside and had a good conversation with a buddy today, Put everything aside, you know, use the money you have now. I mean, I was blessed enough to save a good amount to go back out there and go off of that and get a small side job, work on the side with that, um, and, you know, work off of that. But, uh, you know, over time, like, it would be nice to make some money, afford classes, do more out there, have this, this, and that. But, no, that money will come, you know. At 19 years old, Chris, you're 20 years old, you know, um, you might have a girlfriend, yeah? But you you don't have – I'm assuming you don't have college debt. I'm assuming you don't have – Uh, a family to pay for you don't have kids right now is the best time to do it you're motivated you're healthy you have a fairly decent amount of money you can live off of yourself and make money and you're really just supporting yourself right now for the most part and that's what I'm assuming at least from myself um you know um, I have my family on my side uh not like financially supporting me but like you know I'm doing on my own this is all I can ask for and I'm motivated and I don't have no one else to support so why not give it at all the money will come. I don't want to screw up my, you know, work a eight to five and I have auditions back to back and I have to call off work and now I screwed myself up with that great company because I wasn't fully in it. And I screwed myself up with these auditions because I wasn't fully in it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. If you, you can only put so much effort right. to so many things, you only have so many hours in the day. I mean, you hear that all the time, but right. it's all about you need to be careful where you put your energy because where your energy where mm-hmm. your energy goes defines your outcome. Right. With uh, the example you gave with your job, I think that's a very good example. If you are um, if you're sucking at your job because you're not putting all of your attention and time to do the best that you can there, and because you're splitting that time with the acting, you're going to suck in both areas. You never. And so, you know. I'm not going to say it's the best thing to do is to go all in because that's every case is different. You know, sometimes you do have to be able to support a family and make this work right. at the same time. Um, there are plenty of actors and crew members and people who are in the industry of all positions who um, have completely different scenarios. To answer your question about where I'm at right now, I'm in a very similar boat as you. I do not have a family to take care of, you know, wife or kids. I have um, family-related goals that I want to reach. Right. So I I do have a girlfriend. Um, I'm currently not uh, engaged or married, but the big goal is to get to that point. We're taking things very seriously, which is fantastic. Awesome. Not to get super deep into my own personal life. But that uh, want to obtain that goal of, you know, putting a ring on it, that's motivating. That's motivating, exactly. So not all of these responsibilities, I'm not saying this is what you said. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Right, no. But that's, uh, it can be either a deterrent or a motivator, depending on how you look at it. Right. 
So with that being said, um, I totally agree that now is the time to experiment and figure out what works so that when those responsibilities do pop up, you, not only do you have an income, but it's an income, um, depending on what it is, where you enjoy it. Because if you don't find out what works best for you now, it's only going to get harder to figure that out later. So people who are in our shoes, the 20-somethings, the, er, the late teens, maybe uh-huh. even early 30s, right now is a really good time to be able to, if you're, if you're on the crew side, figure out what position you want to work. Right. If you're on the acting <clears throat> side, figure out which agency is best for you, which management is good, or um, what type of movies or commercials or whatever work you want to do. Figure out what that is so you can then pursue it, obtain that portfolio, get to the point by the time you're quote-unquote old enough shouldn't even be saying that <laughs> right i've got right. to think about ageism but um when you get to the point where responsibilities come your way and you're going to be less flexible you'll be ready for it and so that's kind of what i'm trying to say is uh i think we're both trying to get to that point and so far things are looking good the future is bright it is bright man and i mean the the outcome that's been shown man my biggest thing is patience for me man i just it's not like growing up i never had it mm. and um Going into my career, I was taught, you know, patience, 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 because you don't just come in and you can't just say, hey, I want to be an actor and expect to get auditions for a new Netflix show or mm-hmm. a new movie or want to sign with this agency or sign with this management. You know, it doesn't work like that. It takes, you know, not only you have to have a resume, you have to have this, you have to have that, you have to have your own, you know, because at the end of the day, you're your own, you know, you're marketing yourself, you're your own business. And no one's going to want to hire a business with zero credentials, you know. And um, I really had to start from the bottom. You know, 16 years old, I think it was like 15 or 16 years old. And in the last three years, I've overcame a lot of obstacles. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, hey, I'm doing it. You know, I'm doing it. You know, the hard work's paying off. I haven't done it yet, but I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm at the point where I say, hey, I think I'm doing it. You know, I've seen a bunch of results coming in. I'm getting more and more auditions. I'm getting more and more opportunities. My name is getting out there. And that's why I bring it up because you say we're doing it, you know. Um, we're getting together with, you know, people and showing off our experiences. And I'm excited to see where things go. And um, it's just it's just so exciting, man. I wish I had more energy to, like, just excite me. I know it's kind of late, but, like, it just – that's what gets me up every morning, you know, to know, like, there's – in order to be successful in what you want to do, I believe you have to have 100% and put into it. That being said, I feel like everything, the the reason I'm I'm at where I am today, and for me, I'm proud of it. Someone else might be like, well, he's nothing yet. You know, that's fine. But for me, I'm proud of it. I get up every morning. Obviously, the first thing is God for me and family. But then the other thing is, you know, what's my my motive? My motive is what I want to do, my career, my goals I want to achieve. So I'm going to hit the gym. I hit the gym because... I want to look good. I want to present myself in a good way. I want to market myself in a good way. I hit the gym, yeah, to have more confidence, and it helps me with my things. But the main thing is I want to be presentable on the screen for the type of characters I'm going to be playing, what I believe I would be playing in the auditions I get. Yeah? So then now I work a 10-hour shift right now. I'm talking about my life right now with COVID and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I work a 10-hour shift making pretty decent money. I mean, yeah, I have a good job, but this is not what I want to do. But I do it, you know what? Because I do it because the money I'm chasing is to invest into my career. I'm not doing it because I want to make money to spend. You know, I make more than, I mean, I make a decent amount of money, but I don't spend it on stupid stuff. Because I know, I hey, I might need that in the past. I want to invest in classes. I want to invest it in, you know, 
bettering myself, taking different courses and stuff. And on top of that, you know, you just, I feel like everything you have, you know, you do in life is for something. I don't, most of the time, I don't do things just to not, like, do it, you know? There's a, there's a motive behind it, for the most part, you know? Well, first, don't worry about it being late, man. I mean, we record these episodes all times of the day. Yeah. I think the late night ones usually end up being a little bit more thoughtful. So this yeah. is great. With the um, not spending money on stupid stuff, I totally relate to that. Yeah. I, I said earlier, I'm a pretty boring guy. Yeah. I don't care about shoes. I don't care about um, the, I don't care about having a Rolex or any yeah. bling or gold or chains or any type of, you know, that's just because we were talking about gangsters, but let's go into film stuff. Like, I don't necessarily have a, large desire to purchase any type of object um I, I don't see purchasing items or buying things as a source of happiness no not at all that, that is in in my eyes a it's it's a waste of money if i am really taking this seriously because while you are investing in courses, I have to invest in gear. I have to invest in travel. Exactly. Because I am driving around all over the Midwest to get to shoots, and gas costs money. Absolutely. Uh, and, I mean, same for you with acting, right? Yes. you got to get to set just as much as I do. But with um, the amount of money that I spend right now, it pretty much just all goes into production. Mm-hmm. For instance, right now I'm producing a short film. At the moment we'll be filming in a few days for our first weekend. It's a two-weekend shoot. I saw that. You were casting mm-hmm. for it, yeah. Yeah, so that shoot is going to be essentially um, an investment where I, as the producer, am putting my own money in. And uh, we're also having funding from some other places. But awesome. it's like it's going to be a sub-$1,000 shoot, but still it's better than nothing. Right. I can't put money as a producer into projects if I'm spending it on shoes, TVs, PS5s, nothing against Sony or PlayStation or Xboxes or whatever. But if I'm spending money where I am, you you have to spend money to make money in the industry is what I'm trying to say. I mean, what you invest is what you get out. And by you saying that, I respect you 100%, Chris. Like, I don't even um, drink coffee. Like, that's yeah. an expensive habit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not to that extent, to be honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. I spend money on, like, because I, I just bought a milkshake before I got here. You know, I shouldn't have because of my diet. But, hey, you know, I was craving it. Um, it's not to that extent. And I, everyone has a different situation. By all means, I respect you for it 100%. And you have the mentality, hey, you will be successful, even more successful than you are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I know people, like, you know, I talk to my girl all the time. And she's like, hey, should I buy these? Should I buy that? Should I buy these? I'm like, hey, babe, well, how much you have saved up? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what's going on? Like, what's you your just, emergency fund look like? Yeah, like, <laughs> not, I mean, I'm not saying, like, hey, I'm not trying to be, like, your mother or your father on you. But, like, look, it seems like every time you get a big check or some money, it's like you just buy a bunch of non nonsense. What do you need that for? You just bought a whole thing of clothes the other day. You just bought a new pair of every shoes on this, you know, on this dang rack they have like what's going on um so we're slowly starting to get to that like trying to explain to her like we everyone has their own like theories on what they want to buy and why and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's cool another thing to bring up too i mean people our age right now um they ask me all the time i sit with a bunch of older guys and families and they're like dude why don't you party why don't you go out very often like yes. why don't you do this um i personally don't drink um neither do i i don't really i don't do drugs i mean i'll smoke some nicotine here and there um, but people ask me that, and I'm like, you know, everyone has their own, like, college, you know, experience. Yeah, they say it's great and stuff. Um, people can find their own way on making friends and stuff. People are, oh, well, you meet great people. That's great. 
I mean, I can make great people anywhere. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, offend anyone's opinion on that. But I don't have time to go party. I don't have time to get screwed up and wake up the next day or get out of shape and not stay focused on one thing. You know, because most of the time these kids, you know, people are failing classes. And I don't mean to be ignorant. I mean, that sounds like case for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I don't have the capability of doing that. You know why? The industry I am, I'm in, I'm already, you know, I'm already behind. Yep. There's people who have been six years old who are the same age as me who have way more on their credits and I'm going against. So I have to compete now. You see what I'm saying? It's absolutely competition. And, it's you know, and the thing crazy. is I look way older than I am. So I'm going against people who are 25, 30 who look like they're 18. Yep. With that being said, they have way more credits like I just had mentioned. And now I have to compete against these guys. So I'm not I'm behind. I don't have time to be in there, you know, partying and stuff and waste time. And then now when I come to 30 years old, book my, book my first TV credit gig. I'm behind. I mean, every situation, every scenario is different for everyone. But I have a realistic mindset. Hey, if I want this, I have to give it all. I don't have time to play around. That will come. That stuff will come. The money will come, like I had mentioned. The fun will come. But um, now's the time for work. Right. It's time for work. You're motivated. You, you want to put in these hours. You have to put in these hours while you can. It's exactly the truth because it's right now, like we were just talking about, now's the time to be putting in the hours. Now's the time to be putting in the grind because you have the energy, you have the time. I caution people, though, and this is from my own personal experience recently, is that COVID gave me an opportunity to experience what it's like to do this um, as a full-time, like, uh, full-time, no sleep, mm -hmm. grind away, and it has really deteriorated my health in some cases. Right. And so when I caution people, it's usually like, hey, work as hard as you can. Put all the effort you can into it because I'm the same way. And it's people don't realize the sacrifice you have to give um, until you're in the thick of it. And then it's either do or die because with – and I make it sound way more dramatic than it is. Mm -hmm. But uh, people don't realize like, hey, you're probably going to have to stop binge-watching Netflix all the time or you're probably going to have to – you know, spend a little bit less time playing Call of Duty with your friends uh, every other every other night or every night, whatever. If you're playing video games, this is a topic I've covered before. You have to get rid of the time suckers because mm -hmm. people do not realize when they first get into this industry how time-consuming and how much effort you have to put in to get good at your craft because it's right. a competition. Competition is healthy, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But you also need to stay healthy while you're competing. And so when you are going into a new job, um, in my situation, if I'm going on to set as a producer, as a DP, as a camera op, whatever it is, am I staying up the night before playing COD with my buddies or am I going to bed at like 10 or 11 p.m.? Maybe that's a bit too late, maybe like 9 to be able to wake up at 7 and get to set by 8. Or am I staying up all night playing video games until 1 or 2 and then having to make that same call time with less sleep where I'm right. more likely to screw something up on the day. Mm -hmm. it's, it comes down to personal responsibility and self-care. Um, right now what I'm doing is I'm having to sort of de-stress and manage what I have on my plate because I'm managing right now from a department head standpoint. I've got two separate shoots that are coming up in the following like two weekends. Mm -hmm. um, one of them is going to be happening um, this coming weekend, and then next weekend it's also running. And then I have a second shoot that's happening on that same second weekend. Yeah. So I have a shoot I'm responsible for for the whole way through uh, as a producer. And then I'm DPing a shoot 
that second weekend as well. I know it's a bit confusing, but essentially I've got two shoots going on at the same time that I have to worry about. Enjoy That's the grind, man. It's Enjoy minor. It. Like the amount of projects that people put on their plate, you have to be able to manage uh, that type of mindset. That's just two projects. There are plenty of people out there who have five or six going at the same time. I don't know how they do it. So I'm learning right. about how to do that right now. But the point is I can't get to that point where I can juggle so many things. If I am staying up late, if I am playing video games all the time or watching Netflix, and I should clarify as well, everything is good in moderation, correct? You have to be able to learn to relax and enjoy your life at mm -hmm. the same time. However, for people in our situation, um, you're going to fall behind if, you, fall right behind if you don't realize that and figure out how to moderate. Okay, maybe just watch one episode of your favorite show while you're eating dinner because you're eating and it's hard to work right. and eat at the same time. And that's how you can get that entertainment in in your day. Uh -huh. Or maybe take a couple, maybe take an hour at night and set aside just one hour of time to be able to play or watch or whatever you do to entertain yourself and then work and sleep and take care of yourself the rest of the time. Right. Rant over, but I think you get what I'm saying. Any thoughts? I mean, no. I mean, you said it all. I mean, behind. I mean, and personally, I feel like I've been caught up within the last, because I took advantage of, you know, the lockdown, you know, everything going on in the last year. Mm. Um, like I had mentioned, I got together with a bunch of filmmakers, and my whole portfolio was behind. You know, I had barely any credits, barely any footage. Um, nothing to really explain, not show the different types of characters. So I got together with some guys I know. You obviously know Nick. I got together with Nick, a few buddies, Caleb Long, Zach Leader, um, and other projects as well that you've been a part of. Um, and I just put together a show, and I dove down and matched my headshots. I said, what, can, what type of characters do I see myself playing? Now let me put that on film. Let me work with a coach and progress and show my best you know, content I can play with these characters. Um, so I really, I went from, I think one or two videos that I can submit from auditions, different auditions, um, to now having like eight to 10 mm. being a part of having zero IMDb credits to now six. Let's go. Nice. Yeah. Within the last year. Um, so I took advantage. I mean, I'm catching up and while everyone was sitting around home, you know, um, not really having the same resources I did. Um, obviously everyone was unfortunate enough to have that, but I mean, I feel like I, I definitely, and my manager was super stoked about it. Um, I signed with a huge agency. We'll get to that. Um, everything's just been falling together very, very well. And obviously, I'm not where I want to be at, but it's a start. And it's a better start than I had, you know, prior to this. And now I feel like I'm more caught up with everybody, um, or at least people around my age group. And, um, you know, just where I'm at. So um, I think that hopefully that answers your questions pretty well. And, um, That's all good. Yeah. I appreciate like the so far it's you've uh, you've been fairly genuine and I, I really appreciate that for for an actor it's very important to be able to be open I think and um, we need more honest experience and honest opinion in yeah. the field because so many people who do what we do put on a mask not to make fun of COVID times or anything but literally they're different on screen and on set than they are in real life right and personally that's something that I strive to be as well as if I am speaking with you in person, I might be a little bit low energy because that's just my personality. And in order to do this show, my brain has to come on full speed. Yeah. But in terms of like opinions or what I think about things or how I see the world, I'm usually the same person here in the show as I am in real life. I might just be a little bit more laid back. No, I mean, but as far as I know, you're the same. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think you've worked with me on sets. I'm pretty like, I'm a fun guy. I like to 
Yeah, yeah. When I enjoy something, I get excited. I like to mess with everybody and be kind of caring with everybody. And some people people take it in a bad way, and some people take it in a good way. Um, obviously, I have to be a little more cautious depending on the people. But um, I'm a pretty outgoing guy. I mean, obviously, in here, I'm trying to stay as contained as possible. It is a little late, so my energy is low. Just got off of work. Um, but I think this is the time to settle down and really just talk my thoughts and answer questions and get to know, you know, your side of things and your opinion and um, just kind of gather, just talk. Yeah, I mean, it's it just shows what we were talking about a minute ago about the grind, right? Just taking grind. You, you could have gone home and just gone to bed. And while it is important to get sleep, I mean, taking an opportunity like this mm-hmm. um, tells people like, hey, James is pushing towards his acting career. He must really want this. Being right. Going on to a show, taking the time and um, not only putting yourself out there, but sharing your thoughts on the world. With that being said, um, I would also like to get your thoughts on um, the self-tape world. That's something I know very little about. I'm yeah. wondering what, if, if there are other actors listening to the show, um, you've had a chance now to go through multiple self-tape processes and submissions right. for different parts. Um, I hesitate to ask about tips for how to self-tape, but what are some things that people might not realize about self-taping and doing the work yourself um, in order to submit for a project because as someone who's on the crew side, like I receive self-tapes. I do not make them myself. I have done the work to be able to film myself in the past and it's a lot harder than people think. So any thoughts on on self-taping, maybe some things that people may uh, misconstrued or not understand or what's... So I know you had like... um, Just to go off their prior self-tapes beforehand on how to get these auditions, um, it all really varies. When you're talking about... When you first start acting, the first thing you want to do is get into student films, theater, etc., to build yourself, build resumes, show you've had acting experience, and get a reel, essentially. So when you do stuff like this, you um, apply to local castings and auditions. Um, and a lot of times they'll just cast you off your photos these ways or whatever. I don't know how you do things off if you have a lot of submissions or what you go through auditions, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when you come to basically my situation right now is uh, sometimes I'll do them with the, you know, there's a bunch of casting sites. We have Actors Access, LA Casting, Casting Frontier. Actors Access is the big one. Um, and they give you, you know, just a list of a lot of projects, you know, features and stuff, shorts you can submit to little commercials and out in LA and um, sometimes there's some big bigger gigs but you don't get the actual casting size like your agents and managers do now they're the only ones able to access now you're talking about these are the real big castings they're looking for for big movies uh, TV shows um, co-stars guest stars now these ones you don't have access to you have to get your representation to send you over um, when you get these uh, when I get these auditions um, a lot of time they're very specific. You have to read instructions very, very carefully. Um, and now, right now, we're in the, I've talked to a lot of casting directors. It used to be you, you go into the audition room and do it in person. But now they felt with COVID, they've tested out, hey, I get to do all this casting stuff at home and meet a bunch of actors now all over the world instead of just in locally in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get to see different people. Not only that, it's cheaper for me. I don't have to have a higher crew to be in an office all day watching and doing, do, you know, telling them you, know, you can come in, camera guys, et cetera, readers. Um, so the casting directors find it a lot easier. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot more submissions. This is more of a chance for everybody now. 
um, who wouldn't get these auditions if they didn't if if they weren't able to come out to LA. Um, but uh, yeah, so once you get the uh, submission, you really just have to read the instructions. A lot of times they ask you to slate, but lighting's super important. Um, and then what I like to do if it's a big audition for a TV show or a movie or a feature or anything like that, regardless, I like to train. I like to get as much with great acting coaches who give you different choices. Choices are huge because you're not going to give me a script. As I mean, I'm assuming you casting on your end. When you get a script, the people who pop out to you are the ones who make different choices, yeah? Mm-hmm. So when you make different choices, I mean, a lot of times that's what I'm kind of like, I haven't got there yet all the way to make a bunch of different choices on my own. Now, I can improvise very well, in my opinion, um, but of smart choices and choices I wouldn't think of, I like to train and train with these coaches prior to the audition. So I get to make those bold decisions and kind of make myself out, stand out the room, you know? So um, as far as my experience in front of casting directors in person, I haven't had very many opportunities. I've only had one or two, um, but I've had a lot of self-tapes and those um, take, I mean, sometimes they can go on and on and on. You don't get the right, the reader's not right, whatever. Um, or you just keep going because you're nervous. But over time, you start to get more comfortable. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you really just got to keep practicing on it and the perfect head frame. But the most important thing with self-tapes is obviously be prepared. Um, be natural, depending on your audition. Work with coaches. And um, what was the big thing um, I was going to say? Um, slipped my mind. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think you mentioned lighting. Lighting is huge, definitely. Lighting is huge. Um, like I say, knowing the material. Oh, and uh, following the instructions. That's number one, I feel like. Because mm. nobody wants to see an unprofessional guy who doesn't slate or puts mixes these clips together or reads the wrong part, for you know, for God's sakes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times <laughs> people rush through things. As an actor, you get so many auditions, you kind of half-ass things and um, you really got to take time, and that's the reason. another reason why I said, hey, I don't want to take that job. Mm-hmm. You get auditions randomly. You're going to have self-tapes through the next hour, next day. How am I going to be prepared to get into the character, work with the coach, get the best audition that takes normally a couple hours to tape on, you know, on screen to send over? Yeah. With that being said, too, I think on the technical side, one of the most important things that you can do aside from your delivery, which is the key, um, I mean, on if you're an actor – the main thing that you need to worry about is can I play the part and can I follow the instructions, like you said. But another really important thing, too, is sound yes. for self-tapes especially. I mean, you don't really have to worry about it if you're in the same room as the director. Mm-hmm. But like uh, since I mentioned self-tapes specifically, I think a lot of people do not consider how sound impacts their perceived performance because you can give the performance and be the best candidate for whatever part um, you're trying to land. But if your equipment is not able to capture that adequately, and this is not to say you need the best gear, yeah. that's not what I'm saying, but uh, in order to um, ensure that you have the best chances possible, I think a lot of actors either disregard or don't, uh, they aren't aware of how important a good sound quality is. I'm not going to go into a whole you know, spout about mics or audio production or any of that, but I think it's important to note that um, sound can make or break a film. If it can do that, then it can certainly make or break a self-tape. And that's uh, something um, I think. A yeah, lot of yeah, I would. Don't I, think. I want to have to argue a little bit of that with you. Um, Please, it just depends. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say make or break. It just really depends because at the end of the thing, I mean, obviously, if your audio is terrible, like if you hear your dog barking in the back or your mom talking or whatever, it's very distracting and it shows unprofessionalism. <laughs> but as far as if your audio is not like all the way there, I mean, you can still get the lines across. You still fairly hear. Um, the other thing is, I mean, your facial reactions. You know. 
if you're a good actor, it's going to show. If you can act and if you can play the part, it's going to show. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as art, I mean, they understand. Most people, I mean, a lot of times people can't afford good equipment. People don't have, you know, the material. They aren't able to go out there and get stuff. And sometimes you get things last minute. You're not able to go to a studio. Um, and when you're not able to do stuff, those people are understanding. The casting directors are more understanding than you think they are. They're humans too. So um, now as far, like I said, as far as our audio, I feel like that is important, obviously. Um, to show professionalism and obviously get your point across and thing, but if you can, if it's fairly there, I think you're fine. Um, I don't think it needs to be perfect or even decent. Um, but if it's if it's dog shit, then it's dog shit. Then yeah, it's you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna look good on your end, and it would make or break you. Um, but I think there's a, an extent to that, if that makes sense. And I don't mean to disrespect your opinion no, no. at all, but um, no, it's okay. It's like um, I, if anyone has a disagreement with my thoughts or my views or opinion or something that I state, it's like, by all means, please present a counter argument. Right. That's something I encourage people to do if they have a disagreement. I don't want them to, you know, keep it to themselves if they're a guest because mm-hmm. they want to remain a guest, if that makes sense. No. More than happy to hear the other side. Um, but I should clarify as well, I did not intend that to come off as sound is the key. I meant more my comments towards sound can only help. Um, and by saying yeah. make or break, it was more towards that line of, you need to show that you care and that will help you stand out. And, so and you're right. I've had great self-tapes with amazing audio. And not only I was like, wow, I sound like like a beast. Mm-hmm. Like I sound like well-spoken. Um, and I felt like I felt like more confident about my self-tape. And I think that might be the key you were trying to get across. But um, yeah, you're right. I would say if that's the point you were getting across. Pretty much. Um, I may have phrased it a little bit. Uh, differently than I intended but the main point I was trying to say is um, sometimes there are elements that you can improve that might not be all the way there Um, with sound I think that that is um, one of those areas that people generally don't tend to think about and that's why I mentioned it because right now like we've kind of gone over some things that when it comes to self-tapes what are the most important things which acting, delivery, facial expression, like you said, they're looking for can you act, not how good are you at the technicality. Yes. Um, so with that being said, too, I'm, I'm wanting to get into your, your story and some of the back uh, the back end of kind of how you came into the industry. Yeah. I'm thinking that's kind of where we're going at this point because I wanted to also touch on the self-tapes now that we've done that. Um, so right now I'm just thinking about how – how is it that you, I think you said 15, 14, 15, 16, somewhere around there is when you started acting. Yeah. Is there anything before that um, that you'd like to mention in regards to how you got yeah, started? Yeah, I'll get in into field? it in the story. Um, I think I've always, like, I've always been kind of that, like, I've always loved to try everything no type of guy, you know? But it was always something about me back in middle school. Um, I was always really outgoing, like the class clown. Um, I always wanted more, and I've always liked, the, you know, reaction and making people smile and um, being the reason of someone's day. Um, so I would really do anything. I mean, I started off, obviously, I played sports, whatever. Um, I was an amazing athlete. I was a great basketball player, and I was decent at football, you know, and soccer. But I wasn't, like, I never saw myself going anywhere with that type of stuff. Um, I liked, you know, YouTube at first. I always thought about making YouTube videos back in the prime middle school. It's kind of bigger back in the day. Now it's kind of everywhere. It's kind of corny now, um, like, being a YouTuber. But it just depends on what your material you're going to, you know, pass across. But... You know, I've did things like I've hosted, like I've I thought of, I've always thought it'd be really cool to have my own late night show, staying up late watching and being the host of a show. 
Um, and I think that would be huge. And so I, in middle school, I would host a talent show. I was a school mascot at times because I loved to entertain. I liked to do things that nobody wanted to do because nobody had the courage to do it. Um, but I think it was back in high school, I believe my sophomore year, I was in uh, it's a place we had this like innovation learning center. And there's this place uh, we would kind of, it kind of reminded me of this place a little bit where we had film gear. We had a little studio, a little green screen room, and I was just kind of behind the scenes working with the cameras and trying to get involved in a video. And then um, there was something in me that was like, like you wake up every day and you feel like I'm doing the same kind of thing. Like working a nine to five, you're not happy. Mm-hmm. Waking up every day, going to sport, you know, going to school, going to sports. And you're like, there's something more for me out there. You don't know. I couldn't find it. It was to the point where I would like just be outside at a park and just walking into the hayfield trying to get as close as the sunset. Just think. Um, and I sat there. I'm like. Let me just try things out. Let me find out what I want to do. Um, I had mentioned that there's a teacher named Mr. Nagy um, I was talking to, and I said, man, do you know anything? Because he was a very well-spoken guy, very nice guy, um, very smart as well. Um, great guy in general. He, I asked him, I said, hey, man, do you know of any, like, ways I can, you know, audition for, like, movies or shows or commercials or anything? He's like, like, Italian agency. You go, yeah, I wasn't very familiar. He goes, yeah, one of the kids in the class is a part of him. Let me have you talk to him. I said, cool. I talked to one of the guys. His name was Jackson. Cool guy. Um, he got me the link. I submitted to this agency, and uh, I was super excited. They didn't re- reach out to me, so I kind of kept reaching back out, not knowing I was very unprofessional because I was a kid, but just excited. Um, long story short, I meet up with them with my mom, and they she really liked me. The lady, lady's name was Carol. Um, nice little agency, and... Um, she thought I was way older than I looked. Mm. So the first day she had me come in and asked me to audition for a toothbrush commercial, I was over the top. I mean, I came in, and um, I was so excited for my first audition, dude. Like, I came in with some nice chukka boots, khakis, like uh, a polo with a vest, a tie. I had my mom do my hair to the side. Like, I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm feeling like a star, mm. even though I looked mad weird. Um, in my opinion, it was just not me. Yeah, I went in there. I didn't know. What, time. I didn't know what the <laughs> hell I was doing, Chris. I go in there and I kind of just flunked it. Um, so I didn't realize I did till actually recently. I thought about it. Um, I'm like, what was I doing? Hmm. Um, but I had booked uh, later on. I booked a Cleveland Browns commercial with them, and um, it went well. Nice. I did good on the Cleveland Browns commercial. Went fun. I was fun. But then um, I had. Um, she had mentioned that you need new headshots. You need new headshots to get castable, be more castable, show your variety, velocity, let's get better shots of you. Um, and you know when an agency pitches you that you're not very familiar with and they tell you how much it is, like you're talking about $500 just for some pictures. And at the time, I don't know industry standard photos cost that much. Yep. I'm not very <laughs> familiar. And I'm sure you're familiar as a photographer, like what they, what your rates can be the further and further you go. Yep. There's this photographer named Greg James came out from L.A. He was a producer as well, um, former actor. And the first thing he says when he saws me, he goes, you're going to be a star. I go, excuse me? He goes, "Um, I mean, just your attitude, your ethnicity, your age. He goes, you're 17, you're 16 years old, and you're Middle Eastern, and you look great. I mean, you have, obviously at the time it was a little heavier. He's like, you can lose some weight, you know. Um, 
get in some better shape, learn some skill. He goes, hey, um, I have an, um, an acting camp. And now you're probably thinking, oh, now he's just saying this to pitch his camp. And this is what a lot of people were thinking about prior. He had an acting camp where um, he was bringing agents and managers of all sorts from L.A. And I'm talking about, like, at the time I didn't really do my research. I was kind of ignorant. I didn't really understand it um, <laughs> as much as I should have. And I was young, kind of stupid. He had uh, told me about this place, and then I saw the rates, and I was like, hold, oh, $1,200. He said, listen, he saw kind of my situation, you know, as a, as a Middle Eastern kid who had not much of a – my parents didn't really understand the path I wanted to take, didn't know much, they didn't really know how to support me. They were working their own jobs. I was kind of on my own, you know, with not much support. So he saw that, and he kind of guided me. He, he lived in L.A., but he was here in Columbus getting ready for his camp for, like, a few months. Yep. He was kind of back and forth. And um, most people were like – an L.A. camp with managers, agents, a scam. But when you do your research on this stuff, man, you have in, like, top industry, you know, when you pull up your IMDb, you're talking about A3 artist agent, I mean, which was a, which was Abrams' artist agency, like, top five. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki Minx management, you know, Discover management. Uh, Cinda Snow, mother of Brittany Snow, actress. Um, you know, big names, coming all the way from L.A. to Columbus to see just local Midwest kids come act to sign because they're trying to find talent. Um, so I helped out a lot prior to the camp, you know, passed out some flyers, um, kind of saw what he does around, you know, taking photos and meeting up with people. And I had a chance to kind of was in the back, you know, the back ends of things. And long story short, uh, the camp came up. I was training with a bunch of people and, taking class, and I was still fairly new. I never really had audition for much, like a big script. I was really out and, you know, I was very um, broad with my acting. I was very open. I wasn't very natural at all. Like, as soon as you gave me a script, it was like, like I'm talking to you right now. The way I was talking was like, hey, what's going on? Like, that was that's everyone's first instinct when they act, you know? Mm-hmm. Over the top. Over it's the top. Natural. You're not being, um, and you're I had not no, quote, being And you. I had no yeah. sort of training. And I went in there. I just had a good look, and I let that get to my head. I let those words of him get to my head. Now, he had mentioned to me, you have the potential to get signed easily. You're a market. You're Middle Eastern. Nobody looks like you. You're very marketable. You have more of a chance to get signed than anyone does. Um, so I took, it, you know, I took it to heart, but I didn't realize I was young. I didn't really understand that you needed acting experience, too. So I go in there. Showcase went well. I met great people. Um, uh, and uh, I went in there, and I did. Uh, okay, I thought I did good. Till I saw the roster at the end, you know, nobody was interested in me. Mm. Um, it was very heartbreaking, just because I had my hopes up. I didn't really understand. Um, now I had, I hadn't let that get to me too bad. But actually, I did let it get to me too bad. I'm sorry, I corrected. Um, but I had um, was very upset. But there's a family specifically came over to me. Um, Bobby Lacer and his son Braden, his uh, beautiful wife Eileen. Um, from Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, sorry, Shelbyville, Kentucky, right next to Louisville. Mm-hmm. Very humbling family. Um, knew, heard my story, and they wanted to help, and they asked me to, you know, for dinner. They took me out to dinner, and we had a good conversation. They kind of told my things and where I wanted to be in my career, but I'm lacking this. I'm lacking support. Um, I don't have nowhere to guide me, you know, um, as, as such a young kid. And they took it upon themselves to help me out. So as soon as that happened, he actually got signed. He had interest from about, I think, every agency and every management. Was this a dad or was it? The, his son. But okay. the dad was there with his son. Um, of the family? 
Yeah, okay. so uh, the kid was talented, very talented kid. Um, they had uh, – he had got signed by a big management um, – by a big talent manager, excuse me. Um, and, you know, they were excited, and they were going out to L.A. and auditioning, and he had mentioned to me, hey, come out to L.A. with us one time. And we started to talk over the phone more because he went back to Kentucky, and I was in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And um, he was helping me. He just like, listen, we're going to get your package together. He had helped me set up my resume. He had told me this, this, and yeah, that EPK. together. Yeah. All that stuff. And I and keep in mind, I'm very like, I'm like, wow. Because I'm not used to nobody helping me like that. So, like, it was like, you know, an initial father figure stepping in, helping me out. He didn't ask for nothing in return like everyone else, you know. Everyone else asked for something in return. He didn't ask for nothing. He had helped me um, so much, and then I went and saw him a few months later. It was kind of that same process. He was guiding me, telling me, hey, you need to be patient. Be patient. It was the point where he was getting angry with me at times, like a, like a father would with a son. Mm. Like, listen, son, you better listen. Like, it doesn't work like that. You need to be patient. Your time will come. Now it's time for you to learn and be patient and do the things you're supposed to be doing. You're lacking this. You're lacking that. You're lacking this. So over the time, I mean, I, I was kind of stuck up on it for a while. I mean, the following year, um, it was the same situation. I went to the camp again, but I helped out this time. I wasn't a part of it. Um, I think it was because I, I knew I was planning to move to L.A. around that time. Bold move. Graduated, about to graduate high school, moved to L.A., um, et cetera. And um, I still wasn't, I had a, I mean, and then here I I just, actually, I should correct myself. The first uh, initial um, showcase, I did sign with another Midwest agency, not Mm -hmm. an LA agency, a Midwest agency called Heyman Talent. So I switched over from my old agency to Heyman Talent, um, which was a great agency as well. But they don't get as many, you know, auditions as like LA would, you know, with big TV shows. It's more like modeling, casting, but they still get fairly decent stuff. Don't uh, don't get me wrong at all. Um, so I was with them, and uh, it was right the time that showcase happened again the following year, um, and I just decided I wasn't financially just it was too expensive, and I just didn't want to. But I uh, was helping out still, so he was he able he let me pass on my headshots with my resume, and there was a manager who's there. The key? Uh, sorry, the guy I worked for, Greg James. Well, the guy I was helping out with, Greg James. Yeah. Because um, I was basically kind of the back man, you know, helping out. Whatever he needed, I was there. Because um, I like to take advantage of those opportunities just to be able to kind of see what goes on in the back end, be able to talk to managers and agents and casting directors who are there um, and just be a part of it, you know. With that being said, I had a, was there the next uh, – excuse that chair. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a – really just passed out my headshots and there's a specific manager who really liked my headshot and liked my style and um I had talked to him and I reached out to him Bobby did actually the Lacers helped me reach out to him once like a couple days before I got to Kentucky I mean before I got to LA excuse me and the the night before I was going there he had scheduled a meeting with me right when I just like the next day I got to LA Hmm. I had a meeting with a big management company so I got signed, and I felt good. Everything was great. Um, and sorry, the story's a little long, but it's coming to the end soon. No, <laughs> my story's long as well. Yeah. I'm like, one of these days, I'm going to be saying the same thing. Like, yeah. Sorry, I'm taking an hour to tell you this, but there's a ton No, there. but I mean, it all, it's, it's it's all, all comes through. I mean, like, I wish I could say more, but there's, I just, it would just, I don't want to take too much time, but no, long but as, I mean. Take as much as you need. Yes. Seriously. Yeah, cool. Uh, so uh, I get to LA. I, I'm signed with them, and I'm thinking, oh, shoot, audition's going to come out the door. Auditions coming out the door, but then I realized my headshots are terrible. It's when I was 40 pounds heavier. Mm. And now I only have 
and I have zero video, I don't know why he would sign me, but he just saw faith in me. Because usually casting, I mean, I'm sorry, managers and agents, they won't sign someone unless they have a decent amount of package because they can work with them. Nobody wants to work with a new actor. They don't have time for it. But luckily I was marketable because a lot of people aren't Middle Eastern actors out there. So I'm the two greatest. So uh, I hadn't worked as hard as I should have when I was first out there. I was really like um, in L.A. The first couple months I was in Creative House with a bunch of, uh, I mean, I was with a bunch of different people, you know, people who were like uh, all sorts of people and artists, you it's know. Mixed I, bag. Yeah, yeah, like just like filmmakers, artists, like physical artists, painters, music producers, uh, rappers. And it was really falsely advertised when I first moved out there. And I was staying in like a little pod, you know, like a pod. <laughs> it's like a little <laughs> coffin thing you sleep in. Yeah, yeah built over on top of each other and it was terrible but um it was falsely advertised it was still a good experience i met some people but it was just like people staying at home like you know half-assing what they actually wanted to do and say they were this but they really weren't mm. but they were just smoking weed all the time and chilling and not doing shit because um, it's too hard it's too hard <laughs> nobody was working man people just love that lifestyle and i get it like it's not for me to judge but that's not the lifestyle i want to be around yeah. like it was way too distracting for me as an 18 year old kid who had no friends in la i was bored yep I was bored. So when I saw people going outside to smoke or hanging out, I would like to go hang out with them, go play basketball, go to the beach. I was like, can I go? You know, like I didn't, I couldn't stay focused. You know, the last thing I was thinking about was acting. I was trying to fit in now. Mm. I didn't have friends, you know, like I was just trying to do, you know, things. And I would take an occasional class, but um, my first rodeo in LA, the first couple of months, I shouldn't, I didn't take it as hard as I should have. It was basically, I wouldn't say a waste of three months, but I could have done a lot better. I came home, you know, during the holidays, and then I went back out there again, moved to a different place, and started to really take it serious. That's where I would go on and did that showcase I told you about where I did that intense scene where it made me feel like, hey, I started to get more footage. I started to understand what I should be doing. I need to be in classes. I need to be doing this. I need to be doing that. Mm. Um, so uh, I, I finally and I started. I booked a student film. I was going to get more video. I was doing good, you know. I was, doing, I was getting my name out there. Um, I was going to do other, you know, showcases, other things going on, and then COVID hit. COVID hit, Chris, and everything, the momentum went up, down. Yep. Went straight down, and I was at the peak of my, you know, career, I would say. I was finally understanding what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. Because, like, the big thing for me is, like, I knew the business side before I moved to L.A. Like, I took I probably, like, before I moved to L.A., that's what I want to do. I researched it. I always learn. I listen to podcasts. I listen to videos. The business side is what's important because there's going to be a lot of great actors. If you're a great actor, but you don't understand the business, how far is that going to get you? Same thing for crew. Yes. If you, you have to know how to make yourself in there. You have to make connections. You have to do all that. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. I just want to finish on my story. No worries. Um, so um, I'm finally starting to get, you know, actual video coming in and COVID hits. I come back home. And then it was a point where I was like, damn. No auditions. I barely was getting any auditions as is. I was like, what am I doing? I come back to Ohio. I start on the same page. I come back and work again and whatever. But there came to a point in the last, like, six months where I was like, hey, I need to get this footage. I need to get my boys together, get videos, create clips. I start creating clips, taking videos, start, you know, doing more research on myself, finding out the characters I want to play, still taking Zoom classes, um, studying, 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 and I started getting a bunch of videos and I add them to my thing because videos are important because the type of characters you're going to be there. If they're going to submit you for an audition, geek nerd, you're playing this part in a movie. How are they going to submit a gangster video of me playing? You know, like I need that type. I need it to match my headshot. 
So I tried to really minimize every vid- picture I had and match a scene with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Ma- if people, from a casting perspective, people want to see that you can play the part. So it helps a lot if they can see you've already to played get the it auditions. in the past. And it's mm-hmm. those, those are very important when you don't have credit. When you don't have credit, there's not much to work off of to why why would that casting director want to bring you in the room. Right. So now if they see a video of you, they're like, hey, okay, he can decently act. Let's see what he can do. I'm going to give him a shot. I don't know how it's going to do, but, hey, surprise me. Um, so I started getting that together, and then um, my manager, the one I signed with, Chad Broski, um, had called me and said, and he was initially with my Midwest agency, talent agency, prior, like, years ago. He worked with them. Hmm. Um, but he moved out to LA and was a manager. Um, he had mentioned to me, hey, um, I just bought out Heyman. I'm going to be the new, your new agent. I was like, oh, great. But, like, where does that put me at now? Mm. I have no LA representation. He goes, no, no. He goes, uh, a few of our clients that I had, I, uh, a few of our clients that we had are going to be with Deborah Lynn, who Deborah Lynn is the main lady. And I was super excited. She knew everything. She's the connection. She's been there forever. And I, I mean, after like, everyone wants to be with the top dog, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Someone who's going to push for them harder rather than, like, with all respect to Chad, you know, great guy and everything. But I want someone who's going to be pushing me all the time, who has, like, that energy. Um, and I don't know. He was a great guy, but I don't know if we fit like that. Um, and this, uh, once I started with her, she knew how everything was before because she knew of me well. I would talk. She knew I didn't have video whatever. And then she were, you know, we're going through things, and she's opening up my uh, – Paige, she goes, wow, James, you put up a lot of work. She goes, you have so much video. You have so much credits. Like, I'm so proud of you. Like, you've been putting it in. You're working hard. And I go, thank you. She goes, now, I just, you're lacking a scene in Arabic, hmm. which is super important because I'm going to be cast as probably Arabic because there's not much Arabic actors. So Makes she sense. said, "Make get a scene of you doing it in Arabic. So I said, you got it. I got it to her within a month or two. So I gave her everything she needed. Um, and then... Um, coming up to an end here soon uh but there was just uh i'm off to a right start you know i'm slowly i probably got like one or two auditions within those time frame it was slow very slow the industry was shut um but i was working on myself like i was better at acting myself i was more comfortable on screen i was got videos um and then i had uh seen an ad for uh another showcase which i thought was super important usually showcases are pretty pricey you know agents and managers are not cheap to perform but even if you don't get signed it's super important to get your name out there and show like i perform in front of a lot of like i think a total i've done like three showcases all together and one i really had a bunch of interest it just shows the dedication with that being said the final showcase i did was a four-week zoom and i didn't know how to feel about a zoom but i thought it was super important because there was this agency a3 i had mentioned in the beginning Mm -hmm. that i loved it's easy which was uh, formerly a- Abrams Agency, which is a top, top agency that I've always had in my mind, you know? This is the type of agency, when you look at a TV show on Netflix or a movie or something, you're going to look at least probably, and I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, most of the actors you see in, like, uh, you're going to see at least quite a bit of their actors from this specific agency. Um, like, they don't mess around, they don't hire, they don't just hire random people. Like, to, you know, you have to have credits already established and stuff, and... Um, that's why I really liked them a lot. And there were some other great agencies apart, so I was like, I want whatever agency I can get interested in, I'm, I'm going for it. And we do this four-week uh, Zoom thing, and it's a Zoom sh- showcase, and I've been partners with this uh, actor who's fairly new. And I was kind of a little weird about the whole situation about um, 
a partner on Zoom. I thought it was just going to be me and a reader. Hmm. I, that's what I was used to. And just like with Zoom, with the like the connection and stuff, I didn't know how to feel about that. Could it be a risk? And um, at the end of the day, I mean, you're as strong as your partner, you know? I mean, with that being said, uh, my partner was new. And um, he wasn't there all the way with the scene. And I totally understand. I was the same way. But uh, he had mentioned to me, because I like to improvise some scenes where it's just totally okay. Some parts you want to add on a little more. He did not want that at all. He said it threw him off to memorize his lines. Hmm. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. And he told me this like a week before the Uh showcase. And then I got a little frustrated because the coach had mentioned to me. She said, hey, James, uh, I know you've been doing this for a while, but can you work with him, please? And try to do everything you can possible. You're as strong as whatever. Which, actually, I don't know how to feel about that saying. But um, we could talk about that later. But Hmm. I said, you know what? Yeah. And I wasn't really, I, I like, I knew the scene was okay. It was like, but I said, I, we need to, a little more better in coaching, maybe understanding. So I had mentioned to him, hey, what do you think if we hire, you know, Diane, who's a, in charge of everything because she's a coach, mm-hmm. if we hire her for an hour to, you know, get us together and because she knows the play really well, she directed it, she can help us with the scene. Uh, he had mentioned, uh, I mean, we can do it, but I don't want to pay for it. I mean, I said, okay, I mean, I wasn't expecting you to pay for it, but if you're going to give me that energy, then whatever. I mean, you know, you could have hit me with something nicer, but it's cool. But So I went ahead and I just was like, you know, I took the professional route. I said, you know, um, in order for this is super important to me, so I paid the $150, I think it was, for an hour. Um, and, I mean, I'm telling you, like, we worked on it and we killed it. We got so much better at it. And um, Later on, we do the showcase the following week, and I'm going at it, man, and I killed the scene. I did amazing. I felt good about it. He did a great, too. Um, and my manager had messaged me the next morning and had mentioned, I heard you did really good. I'm getting a bunch of emails about you, whatever. Nice. And for once, after three years of really hard working, like I've been waiting for that uh, showcase after showcase. I never had some sort of interest. And she had mentioned to me, uh, most of the agents wanted to meet with you, but one specific one was A3 that I wanted to. And as soon as she said that, my heart dropped. Now, when they said they wanted to meet me, I was like, there's no way they want to sign me. Hmm. I was like, the fact that they actually liked me um, and they had they really want to take time out of their day to meet with me, um, you know, because they have so many actors who are booking. Um, and, you know, they have actors who are booking, 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 who are very established already. They don't need me. You know, I need them. So, uh, you know, we had a couple, I had a couple meetings, meetings after meetings after meetings, and... Um, they were all phenomenal. Like everyone was great. You know, there's another agency, EFH, which I really liked. Um, and they had a lot of, they weren't as big obviously, but they, one thing I respect about smaller agencies is they work with their actors. They push them, they're hard and they're super supportive and they respond to them. Very important response. And you have a good connection. It's very important. Um, but yeah, I mean, with that being said, man, um, we went on and I signed, uh, with a three and I'm super excited from there. I'm, Things are still a little slow, but I've been getting more auditions here and there, and um, I'm excited to see where it takes off. But really, that's kind of my story and where I'm at. But it just shows you patience is super important, and I couldn't have done it without the people in my life who were telling me, you know, guiding me. And uh, the laces are super amazing for what they have done, and and so have uh, the you know the camps. I've been a part of them, all my coaches. Yeah, here's the crazy thing, man. It's you're younger than I am. Yeah, and it's like, and that's saying something, it right? Really is because. I'm sure we both get in the industry, no matter where we are on set. It's like I get that all the time too. I don't, I don't think I look um, as older as you do, if that makes sense. Um, but what I'm trying to say here is, I'm sure that you get all the time. It's like, oh, I thought you were in your 
mid twenties right. at least. Dude, you should have seen I with get, the beard a few a few weeks ago. I, don't I know. know if you saw my photos. Yeah, I did. It's like I could have could have easily been late twenties, early thirties. Right. People say I'm like 27, 28. I get sometimes people are right on the ball, but that's after they've gotten to know me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Point being though is like we're both young, we're both really going after it. And I mean, when you talk about patience, I mean, it's, I think it's really important that we learn your whole story to see why you say that so much, because you really did have to wait. And it's like my, I've been going since I was 13. And so it's not to, not to like say I started before you or anything. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to say is like, I know how that feels because I'm still there. I'm still having to get turned down by people because they don't know my skill set. They see that I'm 20, 19 however old it is, I'm 20 now, but it's been especially hard over the past couple of years because I've been really getting at it on the production side and I know what I'm doing. I know I have the skill set, mindset, capability. If people see that age and they're just like, no, you can't know anything, kid. Yeah, sure, whatever, go be a PA. And it's like, Dude, I can do a better job than you in some cases, depending on who I'm talking to. Oh, and I never, can't even imagine. I didn't even look at that part. It's it's never to be disrespectful. I want to, but you know, you, when you get wow. that response, it's you, you can't sometimes help but think those things. You never say I'm right because you and I we keep it professional. But people really say that to you. <laughs> I don't um, even understand because I'm assuming like, as an actor, I mean, everyone has their characters they play. I mean, there's some age groups and stuff. So, but now I think about it, if you're in the film. In the backside of things, it's about experience. It's about experience, it's about knowledge, and then, uh, seniority, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even imagine that. But here, let me tell you something. When I've worked on sets, it's, I've tried background to understand the industry. I've tried standing. I've tried, you know, a PA. Um, but dude, some of those guys are douchebags. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> and especially to like not to actual talent, but like to anyone who's not talent, especially background man, people run them over. And but you got to realize in that, and over time, like background, yeah, it's background. Anyone can do it, but you need background. You can't make a realistic film or TV show without background. So when you treat these guys like dog crap and stuff, the way they do, and they get so frustrated and they're so full of themselves, and I get it's stressful. But some of the ways, and um, you mean background extras, right? Just yes, to clarify, background for extras, yeah. yes. Okay. Uh, but the film crews, especially the older guys, get very frustrated and seem to know it all. And uh, they, st- I mean, I mean, it was to the point where they were like, "I'm gonna run you over if you don't move." Like, yeah. I mean, I get they're frustrated, but the ways they talk is, I mean, but now you bring a whole different point. I can't believe that people, I can't imagine how much that would frustrate me. I mean, but that would motivate the hell out of me. But wow, I mean, that makes sense. I I by no means mean to make myself seem like, you know, I don't want to come off as cocky. Right. Or seem like, oh, I know everything. I, I claim to know everything about nothing, as I like to say, which means there's always more to learn. Right. However, I have been confronted in the past, whether it's for my rate or I tell people how much I charge. For this market, Columbus, Midwest market, I'm expensive. Um, but that's because I am trying to bring in rates from L.A. and I'm trying to bring the standard of... Uh, rates as in what, though? What do you... For, like, what? For, like, crew. So if yeah. I'm, like, giving someone... I, a good example. I had a... Um, there was a DP slash lighting guy that I reached out to from a reference. I had um, a local contact that I had worked with before, and I'm trying not to say names... Um, there was this person, person A recommended me to person B. Person B is the person that would potentially hire me on his crew. This is summer of 2020. Uh, I was on, on a shoot in Dayton at the time, um, as a gaffer, G&E slash BTS photo op. (laughs) I did all three at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was talking over 
Facebook Messenger to someone who would potentially hire me on to a shoot, the person B. Uh, I tell them my a little bit about my previous experience. I'm like, hey, I'm in, in the field now for like seven years. I can totally do what you're looking for. How can I help? Um, here's my rate. This is what I'm charging right now. And he's like, I don't know how you're able to say that number. I can totally see like uh, at this point, he said like a key grip specifically was his role. He said, I could, not his role, but the role that yeah. might get that number. He said, I could see a key grip or a department head getting that number, but not just as a regular grip. And it's, I talk about this a lot. Um, people in our field where we live don't realize or recognize their value um, and what numbers they should be charging because there is a lot less industry knowledge out in Columbus. There's a lot less industry knowledge out here in the Kentucky, Ohio, Michigan, West Virginia, Pennsylvania area than there is out in L.A. because people live and breathe that stuff because you have to in order to survive. Right. And so I will say there is a there is something to be said for cost of living and standards and why the rates are higher out there. But in general, you see PAs going for 100 bucks, 120 Like minimum, in my opinion, you should get 300 in order to have a PA be, you know, fully happy slash being paid what they're worth to do what they do because they're doing the jobs no one else mm -hmm. wants to do. You're right. And I, I don't mean to just say PA because it's one of the easiest ones to put in that slot when we're talking about being underpaid. But if you want someone to work hard at doing the stuff no one else wants to do, you got to pay them well. You and have to. And that's the same with background actors. I mean, you could use the same comparison. No one really wants to be not noticed if they're talent and if they're on screen. You have to. And so no one really wants to not be behind the camera or not be in charge of an important aspect of a crew thing, or it's 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 similar similar circumstances. I don't mean to equate the two, whether it's PA to background actor, uh, but I think it's something that people around here don't realize is that the amount of undercutting that goes for rates is something that I think is different between acting and crew, because with crew you're being hired for a skill set, and if you're an actor you're being hired for performance and looks in some cases. I don't know if you'd say that's accurate or not, but um, I mean, yeah, from, yeah. A, from a crew perspective, you are performing, yes, in a job, but um, since there are, I don't want to say there's more crew than actors out there in our, in our area. I I'm, would like to say that. Say what? I would think there's more crew than actors. I, I mean, you got to think about it, Chris. A lot of people like, I mean, there's a lot of crew people who want to be actors or who, who try acting. Mm. Um, I haven't met, um, it just all depends because people like, like to do, you know, theater or whatever. And, you know, but as far as like actual people who want to take it in, like as a full time thing, like TV film and want to really study it, I feel like it's very minimal. Even the people I work on sets here with, they're like, oh, I just do it for fun. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't consider that, hey, they're an actor full-time, you know. They like to do it as a hobby, not as an actual job. I mean, they might be, hey, I, they look in a realistic aspect of, hey, oh, no, that would be too hard, whatever. But going on to the – I have some questions for you. Going on to the, you know, going like the production side of things, uh, mm -hmm. I know you had – uh, well, for starters, do you get to – when you work on these sets, do you offer your rate or is it – do they say what it is and you just accept the job or do you have to say hey if you want me my rate is here because i know you were also uh and i'll ask you another question so you can answer the both mm -hmm. um you got to work with greg james as well correct yes That's something uh, i was going to bring up <laughs> uh on the adeline 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 yeah. uh and i know about most of the actors there um and i know they flew a couple guys from la and they have some big names and big you know producers and stuff a part of that project which is phenomenal i mean i mean 
it's huge. And I know the kid, uh, Jake, the star of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm super excited to see uh, the final product. But going on with that, like, uh, I mean, obviously, I know they were looking for local crew people and stuff. But how did you get your way in there? And as far as uh, how you, you know, how you shoot yourself as, you know, your own business, did you have to... Do you give them your rate or is it just a bottom line rate that they offer for everybody? How does that work? Uh, it's different per shoot is the immediate answer. Um, the short answer is you're lucky if you can pitch your rate <laughs> and they accept it. Yes. Usually it's 50-50 whether, okay, I can tell them what I want to be paid and say and be willing to walk away uh, or you can take the rate that they offer because oftentimes around here at least – uh, I'm pretty sure we have, we have, we do have a union presence. However, there is a lack of a standard rate across the board, whether it's Midwest or California. To answer your question, um, I am currently moving from the position of, uh, and I'm going to need to give a bit of background, so I'll circle back in a second. Um, but I'm moving out of the position of, okay, what is. Uh, what are you able to do, sort of what's your budget, into, okay, here's my contract, here's what I charge. If you want to hire me, you have to do X, Y, and Z. These are the terms. It's partially because I've been able to build up a reputation and work and a skill set. I am now moving into a space sort of like yourself where people are starting to recognize I'm starting to build a name, even though I'm, I'm only like maybe one year or less older than you are. Um, my entire experience in the industry, and I'll get to Greg in that project in a second um, because it's more recent, but my experience in the industry has only been on um, up until maybe 20, 2018, like student production stuff because I was in school. I graduated high school summer of 2019, which means that I had to spend half of my time or more on my education mm-hmm. going through middle school, going through high school, and now I am taking college classes, and I'm going to be out of college by October. Um, with the time I spent in high school, the first set I was on probably would have been when I was 14. I started in the field professionally when I was 13 in editing, but I never really got onto set until about 14. I was with a filmmaking camp. Um, we made money on a project that we did after that camp, and I've been doing freelance slash projects for hire pretty much ever since. A lot of it was volunteer, but up until about 2018, for that four-year period, and even into 2019, I was working with student-level stuff, student-level crew, student-level mm-hmm. equipment, student-level production, which means that there's not a ton of um, a similar situation that you had where there's not a lot of experience or not a lot of, there's plenty of experience, not a lot of real that I am prepared and or happy to show because it doesn't match the knowledge base. That's the problem with starting young. And by the way, real quick to cut you off, don't mean to, but uh, when you work on these student projects, um, I've had bad experiences, man. Bad experiences. Me too. I mean, it's just because, like I said, I feel like working with you, like this is your passion. I feel like a lot of people just do it to do it, Mm. and they don't really commit to it 100%. So when they don't commit to it 100%, you know, it, it falls back and it can affect you. Um, when I, my previous, I was just a student film and I worked really hard, but I let him know prior. I said, Hey, if I'm going to drive an hour and a half to do this, um, at least, I mean, I don't like to think of myself as a professional, like I'm not like, you know, top dog, but I work hard for what I am and I'm not, 
asking for money. I came, I came to you during COVID times. Yeah. Um, locked on for free. The least I can um, ask for is an IMDb credit and some copying real footage. Mm-hmm. Um, you should ask and, for food too. Yeah, there was some food. Uh, it was like frozen turkey, but it, I mean, it went down, but it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. um, but long story short, man, I worked super hard on this project and I was excited to see because this was at the start when I was wanting to get footage mm-hmm. and I'm waiting and they had mentioned, oh, within a month or two, cool, cool, cool. Um, months and months and months and it was just like excuses after excuses after excuses. Um, and this director was terrible. I mean, she was just, she was, I mean, I don't like to be rude to you, but she was flat out terrible. I mean, she had a bad attitude and um, I hope you're watching this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but she just didn't appreciate those time and she, her excuse was she's a senior or she's graduating, whatever, but that doesn't make, you know. College or high school? College. Okay. Um, and she's just. I don't want to name the school. Um, very, I mean, it was just very unprofessional. Very, 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 it just pissed me off, man. Very frustrating. Because, um, uh, you know, like I said, I go out of my way. I'm sending a lot of gas money. I'm going here during COVID. I'm taking days off work. I almost got fired because I'm not supposed to be taking days off work during busy times just to do a project for them. Hmm. You know, and I'm using my experiences that I paid a lot of money for. You could have had, the, you know, random person, you know, just go on. But, I mean, I'm, I, I took time. I studied the script. I was in Zoom meetings, you know. And I go out and I do the script and um, I don't get nothing out of it. I'm like, what the heck? And this lady who was uh, I was texting, um, I just stopped texting her. I started texting the other guy I was familiar with. And long story short, he ended up giving me like a half-assed edited version. Mm. But it was workable. At least I got something out of it. No IMDb credit, but that just brings up my point that um, student films are just, I mean... It just people don't take it seriously, especially people our age. We're working with students our age. Right. No one's taking it seriously, and it's hard to work with a team that's not going to take you seriously because your time's valuable. Yep. I mean, even yeah, even though I'm not like I'm not like you know, I don't have a th- hundred thousand you know followers or I'm making millions of dollars because I'm not in movies yet, but my time's still valuable. I like to think of myself. But you got to think of it as valuable before it becomes valuable to everyone else. Right. They have to see that you value your own time mm-hmm. and that the that you have standards and then once they see that and they'll respect it um sorry not to cut you off but i agree no i mean i cut you off but i just wanted to break that a huge point because i felt like this is super important and anyone here like wanting to uh you know go through that i mean be really cautious when it comes to student films depending on what you're going for if you want to just do it to get the experience do it if you're doing it to get the footage you got to be very cautious and i know a lot of people have you know contracts they do mm-hmm because um, it's important. I don't know how far you can get away with that contract on some sort of like thing like that, but um, I think it's very, very important to make it like very um, affirmed. Like you're letting them know, hey, this is why I'm doing it, and if you can't give it to me, then I want nothing to do with this project. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the concept of student slash like where that is because I'll, I'll well, I mean, you didn't bring it up, but that we're talking about it. Yes, I'll circle back to that. Um, when we get to Adeline, uh, which should be in a second here. Cool. With back on track with the, the reel and stuff, up until graduating high school, I had accumulated a reel. I had lots of video projects on my plate. Mm-hmm. Like my resume, for someone my age, I had done a lot. I don't want to discredit past me by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, as an individual, have very high standards, both for my work and for how I treat other people, as well as my professionalism. Someone who is looking in from the industry who may be like really old is like, 
you you did way more than I did when I was your age or mm-hmm. someone who's looking in from the outside is like, how have you done so much? That's crazy. I could never imagine doing it. But for someone like me who takes it super seriously, for someone like you who's really like, there are few people who take the field, the craft seriously, and there are even fewer that will take it seriously and go far. And I think if, if I'm reading your mindset correctly, I don't mean to discredit you, but if you stick with that, and if I stick with it, I think we're both going to go places because I'm sure we've both heard that before. You got to. Yeah. And so with that being said, um, leading up to just getting out of high school, I was not really proud of the reel that I had. And so uh, I wanted to, I'm trying to regain my train of thought that I had a few minutes ago. Um, 2018, 2019, 2020, I started getting on bigger projects. And it was more of, well, I don't have the reel to be able to demonstrate to people I'm worth this much money or I know this much knowledge. It's hard to communicate unless you're in the environment on the crew side that you know what you're doing. So I had to start out by taking rates that people were willing to give out, which in a lot of times, uh, a lot of cases wasn't the best. There's definitely rates that I've gotten like that should definitely have been higher. (laughs) Um, And there's always going to be jobs where things aren't communicated. The producing is done very poorly. Planning is non-existent. um, And you take a check and it's three to four times lower than what it should have been for all the hell that you just went through. Yes. Whether that's the same for acting as it is for crew, depending on the project. Right. With that being said, um, 2019, 2020, right after graduating high school, I was able to sort of take the freelance thing almost more full-time than I was in high school. With high school, I had my education to worry about. I had to get the high school degree, and so at least half of my day minimum was spent on my schoolwork, which means I couldn't dedicate as much time to it, uh, it being the film stuff, while I was in high school. After I graduate high school, um, I am now able to... uh, do this freelance thing and get out there so I start getting bigger jobs when it comes to like the level of production I've been on because of what we talked about earlier with the whole ageism thing and where my experience lies my current perception back then was fresh out of high school this kid probably doesn't have any experience and then you look on my IMDB he's like okay got a few credits Mm -hmm. Um, let's give this guy a call and so it's kind of I was in that situation for a little bit and then eventually as gigs started to stack up and up and up more, um, I've been on some pretty big stuff recently. Adeline was one of the bigger projects of this Yeah, past I was going to ask you. I mean, I know, uh, I mean, Greg and I don't know whose partner was. They went all out. Um, mm-hmm. That would be Greg and Mira probably. Mira, yeah. And then I know that there was a, um, I mean, they went all out in general. I know there's a great crew, a great cast. I know they have casted a few Actors who were in pretty big stuff. I don't. I don't know if you remember the movies they were in. I uh, I, I have done some of the research. We had. Um, I forgot I had the research, but I know that, that the old school fellas knew who they were. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had. Uh, I'm. I'm. T- I was not really working with the actors because I was on crew, and yes. so I, I do not remember names. I remember faces way better. But our main um, female lead was uh, the mom of the kid in the story. She was in Fireproof. Um, we had Superman's dad in there as well as Sheriff. He was kind of like one of those cameo characters. Yeah. Um, and I'm forgetting his name, unfortunately, with um, the one of the fo- one of the actors that the, the story is kind of focused around. There was a pastor dad lead. 
Um, he's been in some bigger stuff as well. Uh, that that guy. What was the name? I don't remember. Unfortunately, um, you don't know because I, I know. Is, like I said, like I know half the, a year ago at this. I point. know a lot of the locals, and then I know one of my uh, um, acting coaches out in LA flew out to be a part of. It. I don't know. You know, Shane yep. Brady. I I met him. Indeed. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a very nice guy. Um, so I thought it was kind of cool. I was good to. Um, and I saw, and the funny thing is, I was on, like on the breakdowns trying to like submit myself for projects, and I was like on like big, the big casting project, and I saw shooting Columbus High because you never see that on the breakdowns. Nope, <laughs> never. Um, the closest thing you'll see shooting around here in the Midwest is sometimes Kentucky or Chicago. They'll go to That's Cincy, the close. Kentucky. Not very often on Cincy either on the actors access, at least for my experience. Uh, I mean, you get Marvel in Cleveland. Oh, uh, you do, you do, but those uh, breakdowns are not going to be on actors access on talent side. They'll be on representation side. Mm, fair enough. Um, but you could do get. Um, speaking of that, I know uh, with the Russo brothers and all that stuff, they love filming here because it has yeah. a New York look. Um, and one of my good buddies and you know kids, I have friends I met from the camp, I was talking about um, with Greg James. Um, there's a casting director um, who cast a lot of background and then some principal roles. Um, she's good friends with you know. I don't know if she's directly good friends i know she has the units and she was like she cast some parts in the new cherry with tom holland and um so she had mentioned to me a couple times to come out there but i mean i'm just not big into background i think it's like you can make great money off of it even in la being with a background agency Mm -hmm. but it could also you know get you too comfortable i know a lot of people out there who do just background all the time and also if you get an audition for that show and you're a series regular background or you background on this how are you going to go on and audition for it if your face has already been on the show so many times it's different background i think it's also kind of damaged goods to use the term not in a disparaging way but if uh if you do all if all you do is background people will expect you to be a background and they you'll have a harder time i would think not from experience because i'm crew but i would imagine that it'd be harder to land lead or supporting roles if that's all you have on your resume do you ever uh seen that video that was made of the kid uh well, he wasn't a kid. He's an adult, but he looks like a kid. He's a background actor, and basically, some person in like a different country made like this video of him, and each different clip of every show and movie he's been in as a background actor. No, I haven't seen it. Um, I've seen it years ago, like years ago as a kid, and I'm like, this is freaky, but it's funny as hell. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I would look background, and I saw this kid on set, and I go, "You've got to be fucking kidding me!" Really? I go, "No way." And I have to be honest here. Um, he was by far the most annoying background actor I've ever met. <laughs> this shit got because when when this came out, and I hate to be a hater, but when this came out, you're talking about he was on the Allen. Like it went viral. Everyone saw it. It was reposted after reposted. Like he felt like this was his time, and I support it. You know, he's worked hard. I get it. But now I was talking to like you know. Um, uh, they call them ads or like people who help out on you know assistant directors is, is not ads I'm sorry like the maybe some pas and stuff or whatever there's a bunch of different like people but well, what is it they do they um they well he was talking to the, some of the wardrobe people uh-huh. I was on set I did another background thing and like I said I was doing background to understand how like sitcoms work and how all these cameras and how actors get preparation as a, I just wanted to see the industry and I wanted to tour Universal and Warner Brothers I wanted to see how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, to motivate me and see kind of see what's going on. So I didn't do it very long. I've only yeah. did a couple stuff. No shame. Yeah, but um, I was working on a show called uh, Rookie. It's like a cop show. Hmm. And he was a part of it. And the wardrobe guy had mentioned was real pissed about him. 
And we were cool. We had a good conversation. I go, what's going on, man? He goes, this kid, he's freaking annoying. He's pissing me off. I'm about to kick him off set. I go, which one? He goes, the kid over there. I go, oh, you talk about Mr. Background, you know, actor. And the reason we're, you know, being very sarcastic about the situation is because he is so full of himself now from it. He got so full of himself where he specifically asked the director, he wants a chair. Like, you know the chairs the actors sit on? Yeah. Stars. He wants a chair. And, he, and so he comes up to people talking like he's Leonardo DiCaprio. Hmm. And he, um, he, he reminds me of the way he acts is like um, Jonah Hill in some of his movies. Like Jonah Hill in Superbad. Or and uh, what's that? I don't know if you watched the movie with Jonah Hill and uh, where he ran, they ran that college. I'm familiar. Yeah. So and accepted is the movie called. Um, the way you know Jonah Hill is just so cocky and thinks he's the shit in these roles and he thinks everything needs to be to him and I mean that's just how he was. Hmm. Um, and the reason I mentioned that we're talking about it and I'm just like I was so amazed when I saw this specific actor act the way he acted. Um, and you got to keep in mind like there was hundreds of scenes and stuff he was in in different movies and shows but i'm sorry it was off topic but it was just phenomenal i had to bring it up and no it's okay um, you should be amazed you should be amazed and also scared as well is very my, scary is my thought because so if, he if it can he happen to it. him it can happen to you yes and that's one of the things that people don't realize is when you let the fame go to your head you can't see it like maybe you can and you accept it if that's the case then no one will want to work with you right. so don't ever admit that but if you don't see it it's only hurting yourself. And so that's, I feel sorry for him in the fact that he probably just, I don't want to assume what he was thinking, but the point I'm trying to make well, is, the man that is we, sh- like, you he's should like 40. we should learn from that as the younger guys, and I'm sure he was young as well. But yeah, wait, how did you, did you say it was 40, or was that the wardrobe guy? No, he was actually like 40 years old, but he swear to you, Chris, he looked like he was 23. Huh, okay. I swear to you, he had like, well, maybe he'd just gotten Baby tired of doing background skin. and decided to embrace it, and now he's um, like, this is my life. Like, this kid, I mean, he could really, he actually had, I think he had, now you mentioned, I did, he, he had uh, He had one big uh, part in a movie, I think. I couldn't remember what it was, but I've seen, like, a clip. Because hmm. as an actor, I mean, if the older you are, the younger you can play is always better. Hmm. Especially when you're around our age, like, you can play... If you're 24 and you can play like 16 or 15, because they don't want to hire those 16 year olds on set because there's laws and stuff like that. They rather yeah, have an older player. Minor work laws and all that. Correct. Yeah, so I mean, it could have really went in his favor, but I mean, then again, people get comfortable because that's the closest thing they'll get and they can get it whenever they want, so it works for them. Right. Um, complacency, I think, can be a big pitfall for people in our industry, and that's. I think there's a difference between becoming complacent and deciding to settle down and be content at where you are. There's a difference between being content and being complacent. Um, I think just so that I don't stray too far away, you were asking about Adeline. So we'll get there eventually, but I wanted to let's let's get back to that. Um, You asked about how I got in with that production. Yeah, and I needed to give a bit of background. No, it's okay. Like this is a conversation. Conversations go random places all the time. Uh, With my position leading up to Adeline, I was, I still, I need to be careful how I say this because at this point in time, I am moving away from the working for free model because I have now gotten to a point where I uh, understand the basics of production 
and am able to now say, yes, I can do this role. Yes, I'm confident in this area. I can work this position. Um, the reason why I say I'm moving away from it and I'm not, I'm not saying, no, I'll never work for free again is because um, people will only take you seriously for uh, the amount of work that you've put out. What I'm trying to say there is I'm, I'm, I'm having a poor time explaining this. I am now at a position where I can sell myself as a crew member and not have to take free gigs all the time. Right. I probably will never not work for free again. I think I've said that correctly. I think there's definitely um, a need and a place for people who will just hop in and help out because you always want to be able to ask a buddy for a favor. Like this, the shoot I'm producing this weekend and next weekend, like that's essentially, we aren't paying rates. We're getting everyone a really, really good lunch because I believe as a producer, as a standard, like pay. Kind of lunch if you don't mind me asking. Uh, catered, like we're talking, you have $15, $20 budget, pick whatever you want on the menu and you'll get that from like a restaurant with a wide variety of food. Um, that'll be basically PA goes, picks up the food, brings it back to set. How many castmates you got are... We'll have about 15 people probably on set. Wow, a big budget for food. Well, I mean, that's the (laughs) thing. If you can't pay, let's just throw out a random number. If you can't pay uh, 600 bucks for an AC, like at least pay 600 bucks to feed the whole crew a nice meal because at minimum you should get them something. Um, That's just a personal standard for me. You see plenty of producers out there who won't pay their talent and who won't pay their crew, um, both what they're deserved, and if you don't have the budget at all, if it's a volunteer, like, it's late, my brain's falling apart, but what I'm trying to say here is, as a standard, I want to at least feed my crew and feed them well, and that's something I'll fight for if I can't pay them rates. Ideally, rate and good food, but if I can't get rate, at minimum, good food. So, following up with that, Mm -hmm. you had worked on Adeline for free? Yes and no. Depends on your definition of free. And well, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but in terms of the um, Adeline shoot, here's what I'm getting to. And so far it's been rabbit trail after rabbit trail. Yeah. So that's like a little teaser, I guess, to what you really want to know. But I need to go back to the whole contract thing. With, um, And I don't mean to bash someone here. I'm good friends with a lot of people, but I definitely want to hear the mm-hmm. side of the story just because it fits in with the conversation. Yeah. And there, there are some important things to note, and we'll get to that. We're getting there. Yes. <laughs> I apologize to the audience for you know, taking this long, but, uh, with the, with the whole freelance thing and contract stuff, I have now gotten to a point where I can start branding my skills, uh, marketing my skills, excuse me, and my brand. And I'm able to start charging for my crew work, whether that's as a producer, as a DP, as a cam op, as a lighting guy, G and E, those are the main areas that I cover as well as behind the scenes photo. I do a lot of behind-the-scenes photography work. If you check out my social media, that's pretty much all it is, is the the behind-the-scenes stuff. That's where I go to put basically my art, quote-unquote. And so with that being said, uh, up until Adeline and even a little bit after, I've been working on building my skill set to then be able to build the real. I've been on some big stuff this past year and last year. Um, some of which being I was on the biggest and only, I think, Scott's miracle Grow commercial for 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I believe, at least a five, if not six-figure budget. I have no idea what the financials were, but that was a paid shoot. 
where I was coming on as a grip. That was a last-minute call from Scott at Ohio HD saying, hey, we've got a shoot here. They need some help. I was on that show for, I think, three or four days, if not a whole week. Wow. Was it like a sort of... Was it a sort of like a like a sag rate or just like a? Um, let's just say for a grip rate, it's not what I would have wanted, but it was kind of last minute, and so it was lower than what it should have been. And it also, I got put in a position where I was being a photo grip slash video grip and a groundskeep. So yeah. they had us doing um, like landscaping work. Not be, sorry. Not because it was a Scotts commercial, because Scotts is like you know soil and gardening brand, but because they didn't hire landscapers in the first place. They just thought, oh, we'll make the grips do that. People don't understand that grips are grips are supposed to be on set, and they're people see them as grunts. You know what's funny about that? With this whole COVID situation, I'm sorry to cut you off again. The whole (laughs) COVID situation, they initially had mentioned. uh, they didn't know what to do because they were trying to limit people on sets. Mm. They were going to cancel all background people because background people are a lot of people on sets. And they were essentially going to have the, the crew play that. Mm. Just imagine how that would have went. But go on. I'm sorry. I just want to mention that. No, I mean, that's a real thing. I mean, you see. Sorry. No, all good. I mean, you see people using COVID as an excuse to cut corners now, and it makes me upset. It makes me angry because. It's now setting a new standard that is now lower than what it was before, and it was already low in some cases. So, getting to Adeline. <laughs> Again, I guess you're, I'm testing your patience. The suspense is real. I know, it's killing you. Um, so I, I did some stuff like the Scots commercial. Um, Adeline was the only feature project that I was on in 2020, but there was stuff like Scots. There was, um, I was on the... 21 Pilots music video, The Hype. Oh, really? And I was actually, I was, they uh, I was cl- a background extra for that, actually. Awesome. I'm assuming they probably would have came back and did something here, considering they're from yeah, they Old were, Tangy. Correct. They were in the Columbus area. That was, like, summer, fall of 2019. Yeah. Um, but still, with, like, that was before the pandemic. Um, with Adeline, though, you weren't wrong saying that technically I worked it for free, but that was because it was a last-minute hire, and they only had... They, they didn't even have budget to pay me. And yeah, I, I knew that there was probably, I mean, I didn't assume they had much budget, but. Yeah, here's, here's how they pitched it. So I get a lot of jobs from Facebook. Yeah. That's how a lot of crew gets hired around here. If you're I not a part of the union or in um, like a production company environment where you work for a boss that does video production and you're just like one of the production companies. If you're freelance, you get hired from Facebook, you get hired from Staff Me Up, you get hired from uh, a few other sites like that. With Facebook, the gaffer of that production, Dave, really good guy, um, friends with him now, very grateful to have met him. Uh, he put out a call for help because he flew in from, he was flying in from, from L.A. Yeah. And he um, needed a, a, a help with G&E, which is grip and electric, for those who don't know, the lighting and the stands moving heavy objects, but mainly electric which is learning how to run wires, um, do lights, electrician type work. Mm -hmm. And I see this opportunity come up. It's three week shoot, uh, five on, two off, which you don't see extremely often in the feature world. Uh, I think it needs to happen more. 
where you have that, that means five on two off means you're, you're working five for five days, days and then you're uh, you have a break for two. So for us, it was uh, I believe it was Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. It may have been f- Tuesday through Saturday. I'm pretty sure it was Monday through Friday, but either way, um, the way I got onto that production was because I saw Dave's call for help on Facebook. I saw that too. Mm -hmm. And I responded like, hey, I do lots of crew stuff and I pitched him all the big projects I had been on and all the experience that I had up to that point. I was like, I'm local to Columbus, willing to make the trip. So when you say uh, I worked for free on that project, be happy to admit, yes, I didn't get paid. However, I got paid in a different way, which is connections and experience, which people... People can argue that that's not necessarily valuable, but for someone in our position, yeah, where we're we're even happy to get our foot in the door at this point, it's like okay, I'm now assessing when I see that opportunity, what is the value that I'm going to gain from this? And because I was in the G&E department on Adeline, um, I can now confidently say yes, I know how to set up and run HMIs. I am now very knowledgeable in the electric department as well as grip. I now know a lot of ins and outs of different, um, different not only lighting setups, and not only did I learn a ton from Dave because I activated sponge mode when I was on set, uh, but I now have that credential to be able to say, look, I was in the department on a feature project for three weeks straight. Like I, I was only missing. So it's important. I was only missing there for three days, and I'll let you cut me off in a second. But it's important I mention this. Um, Talking about uh, Greg. You have met him before I did, but that was a common connection we had. When you mentioned needing to get headshots, Greg was the first person that came to my mind because I know he does really good headshots. Yeah. And the fact that you already mentioned him was like, oh, cool. Well, I don't have to say that now. Um, but here's the thing. I was technically classified as an intern for that production. Like my official credit, even though I'd love to change it to what I actually did, which was G&E Swing, um, is electric or G&E intern. I'm not going to say I have a gripe or I'm salty with him because, like, got to do what you got to do, I suppose, but... Were uh, you the youngest guy? Probably one of the youngest guys on the crew. There was one other person, I think, who might be closer to my age. Uh, His name's Josh. He was our uh, scripty, fantastic guy. I'm friends with him now, and I hope to really, like, I hope to work with him in the future and potentially get him on the show like i'd love to fly him down yeah up he lives in georgia but um essentially i was the baby of the bunch and i was on there as an intern but that's what i got out of it was that experience and that ability to now confidently take to other jobs now like hey i've done this before so you can actually pay me money and hire me here's how it plays into the contract thing though um right now i'm taking on so many responsibilities and so many jobs that uh, I don't necessarily have the ability to say yes to everything. And so now I need to be selective. And so, well, what does that mean? If I get a job that sa- that enables me to get paid and get an income versus a job that's a passion project that is asking me to work for free, I'm going to take the job that is able- enabling me to further my goals and my passion in this industry versus the volunteer job, unless... Like, you know, if Tom Holland comes to town and that project is asking for volunteers, like, I'll do that because I have an opportunity to connect with some really high-level people. It's it's the assessment of value, which is the important part, and how much you're able to get out of it. And I, I disagree with people who disparage working for free. 
Um, I think there's a time and a place for it, yes. but you shouldn't make that a standard. You shouldn't expect people to work for free if they don't meet certain criteria, which is like that experience, that experience level. If you know what you're doing, um, you should not expect to work for free. If you're just learning, you're getting into it and you just want a shot. If you just want to get in the door, like give people a chance by all means, but don't take advantage of them. Right. Sorry, you were going to. Say no, something. no, I was going to say, I mean, I didn't mean to, because like, we I was questioning it, but I didn't mean in a sense of free, free in a bad way. Like, I don't care if you work for it. But mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. When it comes to a big project like that, you're working with big names or bigger names you're going to be working with around here. You got to take opportunity. Like, if you came up to me and asked me to work, like if Greg came up to me and asked me to be a part of this project and acted in it. Unfortunately, there wasn't my age group to be casted or my type, but um, I would definitely do it. I mean, you get great footage great credit you're working you're making connections like you just had mentioned and those connections you never know where it can take you mm-hmm. i mean there's not much that needs to be said i mean doing free work um now i'll talk about student films and stuff like that. that's way different this is i mean this is a whole different concept but i mean like i said not much to be said about that if take free work i mean especially when you're at the start of your career never never think you're too big for something until you really are hmm. i think that's um that's an interesting topic when you're where is that line where you start to say yes and no? And that's kind of what I'm figuring out right now based off of the amount of stress that I'm putting myself under for these different projects and for these different opportunities. And I don't mean to make it seem like, oh, woe is me. I'm doing so much, but it's more so you need this. This goes back to what we talked about really, really long time ago, um, which is just the beginning of this episode, taking care of yourself Um not only does your experience level and your standards for how much you ask to get paid play into whether you accept an opportunity or not, but it also you have to consider at some point, if you work yourself to death, you can't work anymore. Right. And so um, by considering the rate and your skill set, that's important, but also consider, will this further me in my career for one? And will it also, um, how much time will it take up? How much energy will I have to put in? Will I stay healthy, um, whatever that means to you, if I take this job. And that's what I'm kind of considering now because what I want to do at the moment is pursue these producing opportunities, pursue any opportunity that comes up where I can add good footage to my reel, stuff that I want to shoot, and I also want to upkeep this podcast on top of doing my education. I'm still in college, technically. Um, And then I also have a relationship at home. And so I have to figure out how to balance all these different things. And um, you I know we said we were going to circle back to student films, I'm trying to figure out where my brain wanted to go with that. Um, Forget it, man. Don't ever want to talk about that experience in my life. Oh no, 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 I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not referencing your no, your um, uh, your project, but I mean, like I said, man. As far as there's not much to be said about it, but when you come to, I mean, like I said, don't think you're hot shit for. I mean, no, everyone's in the not. same boat. I mean, just because you have, I've done more things than you doesn't make me any better than you. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about you both being passionate or whoever's being passionate about the project. You're working together. Um, but I mean, obviously you got to get to know who you're working with and the people you're working with and how passionate they are. If they're not passionate, then I wouldn't waste my time for it. I mean, when it comes to like, I don't think any of us are really at the point right now to say no, unless people don't take it as professionals. We do now, if we have people just, you know, as passionate as with us about the projects, why would you say no? You know, you're all passionate about something, do it together. I would disagree slightly by saying this. If you, you, I am personally in a position now to say no. Because I have stuff on my plate. Well, when if you're busy, I, yes. If I, if, did, busy. if I wasn't busy, like, then yeah. Like, why would you say no if there's opportunity to meet new people and gain new connections and then potentially have 
future projects. Right. Like if I had never shown up, if I had not um, agreed to come on set for Nick's project and do BTS, you and I would not be sitting here right now. Absolutely. And that was a free gig because I was helping out a buddy and I wanted the portfolio. What I got out of it was photos of you and the crew to put on my Instagram profile. You also ate shit. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, well, I was, wasn't going to mention that, but yeah, I uh, Sorry. almost <laughs> broke my leg falling down the falling down the hill there. I was paying a little bit too much attention to my camera and not to my footwork. Wait, now, Chris is in the moment with his camera. I mean, he's in the moment. He's busting balls trying to get that right photo of you. I mean, appreciate it. I mean, when it comes to passion, if you get Chris on your set, he's going to give you every freaking juice anything he has in his in his body to i don't know what i'm saying i'm sorry i'm tired but no, you i, we'll, I hope we'll someone fire. gets my point <laughs> i appreciate it and i and i don't mean to make myself you know seem like like the hot stuff like you were talking about but it's i i do take my job seriously mm-hmm. and i think that's something that helps helps me stand out and i think you can tell on on those volunteer projects or on the student films i think this is where my brain wanted to go earlier was if you are in film school or if you are on a student project, there are, and I think I said this before, there are few people who take it seriously and there are fewer still who will take it farther. And film, the film industry in general, the film, the film school environment is a place to learn, but it's a very poor place to grow. I don't know if I'm saying that right. There's only so much you can do on a student set which is why we need to get out there and do more in the professional field and why it's so hard for people to take us seriously because if we are coming out of that student environment, the automatic assumption is that people think we know everything because we went to film school. I'm not saying you do. I don't know if you actually did. I know you have some experience from high school a little bit. Um, But say there's the college kid, people who are our age, people automatically assume that since we're taking it seriously that we know everything. And I don't necessarily know how to combat that except with respect and just showing people over time, yes, yeah. we know how to conduct ourselves, we know the etiquette, we know um, the equipment. Essentially, we are going to be taking over their job when they're gone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great point you just mentioned that because, I mean, uh, I like to take what I've learned over the years and me being out in L.A. and taking classes and stuff and working on sets and what I've, my personal experience and the notes I've gotten um, when I come to do set stuff like this, for example, I just did that project, uh, and, um, with a buddy of mine, um, I wasn't very happy about who he casted just cause he didn't cast very passionate people. Hmm. Yeah. But I mean, then again, they were just two liner roles, you know, basic like co-star essential roles. Um, but every time I'm on a set working with an actor who's still fairly new or hasn't has as much, as much experience, I don't take it for granted. I like to give them options. I like to say, Hey man, why don't you try it like this? If we're both going at it in an argument, hey, why don't you give me one of these? I think it'll build up better. It'll make more sense. It's easier for me to play with. Um, so just going off of my experience and um, what I think would work best, I like to mention to the you know fellow actors who are still new and give them my kind of um, taste of things and what I've learned. So I like to take advantage of that if that makes sense. Yeah, and one of the bigger things too is that people don't know. Like a good example with Greg um, I was talking to him a little bit after um, our shoot. This is at least a month after. Um, and he uh, t- uh, he had seen some of my behind-the-scenes work. And he said, like, hey, man, if I had known you did BTS photography, like, we would have hired you. And it's just, 
I, I would never have known that had I not kept that connection and had I not been there in the first place. So now Greg has it in his mind, and it's not to call out Greg specifically and say, hey, Greg, give me a job, but it's right. more like as an example, when people learn that you can do things and they become aware of you, then that's when you can get the opportunities or have the uh, ability to walk through How the do you Which BTS photos did you see? I honestly don't know. Uh, I didn't ask. Maybe because I know maybe the ones of us. Maybe it could have been. Yeah, because I know we, me and Greg go way back. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. Yeah, still with uh, the overall point I'm trying to make though is like that's why I, I yeah. want to do this show and why I'm wanting to um, help get people seen both in our local community but also abroad. I think I have a large opportunity to be able to bring on people like ourselves who are the hustlers, the people who have the right mindset, work ethic, all that, mm -hmm. you know, my spiel by now, but it's, um, the, the lack of connection in our field at the moment, especially in Ohio, I think is not as good as it could be, not the lack, but the, the connection in general. So the whole goal is to make people aware of the talent and the crew that is available and to just get people talking with each other. So that's why we talk for so long is so that people can maybe find a little bit of relatability and both learn about the crew and the actor side of right. things um, and learn about you as a film professional. So I appreciate that. Yeah. With that being said, um, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at this point about wrapping up. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to cover. Or I think, I mean, missed. we covered the bait most of it. I mean, um, I just want to apologize if I, if we stuttered a little bit, if I was out, it's just a little, little exhausted a lot after a long day, but I mean, Anyone, any questions? I mean, just hit my line. I mean, I know you mentioned to say my... Uh, yeah, please. Like, yeah. How can people find you uh, once again? In once again, Instagram is... Uh, yeah, once again, Instagram is James Musaitif, uh, M-U-S-E-I-T-I-F. I'm sure it'll be like right here. Yeah, it'll be um, on the screen. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, shoot me a message. I'll be back in LA soon. Hopefully by then, uh, get some big auditions. I'm hoping to get some uh, word from and maybe hopefully I can book something here in this year and very confident about it, get God in my hands, and I'm just working hard. So hopefully soon um, this podcast can boost up one day when I get my first Oscar. I mean, like, it's that's not the intention for why I bring people on. But I think it, like, the at, at a minimum, I want to be able to give people like yourself, if it's an actor, yeah, like really take the time to dive deep into their backstory and what they think about the industry and also – how they present themselves so that you can take this episode right. as an actor to an agency or to a manager or someone you're pitching yourself to and say, you want to know about me? Here's an episode. Same thing with crew, although it's a little bit less rele relevant for crew. Um, but the point is to build up a uh, register or a log of people uh, that work certain positions. So if a director or producer comes to town, if they're looking for actors, if they're looking for crew, they just scroll through the episode, yes. see what positions they're looking for, tap on the episode, find out about that person. Right. So um, I appreciate you taking the time. Like this appreciate is, it's been a long episode. It's been a good talk. I really appreciate you coming out and just, you know, dedicating some of your time you could have spent sleeping to pushing the career forward a little it's bit. It's all it means good. A lot. I'm here. I mean, like I said, I reached out to you. I'm, I've been wanting to do this and it's great. Thanks for taking my podcast virginity. Um, and yeah, hopefully many more to go. Well, uh, you can for sure use this as a base. I think that if you want to go on future podcasts, like if you if you use this as your first episode, hey, yeah, I've spoken on one before. Here it is. I think you'll have some luck. So that's good. So hopefully I could be on Joe Rogan soon. But we'll see. Let, give me a call when that happens. Yeah. I'd love to <laughs> see how you're doing after that. I'll let you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, in, the, in that case, with that being said, 
third and final time, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. it. So now to address the audience, for those of you who are listening on Apple Podcasts and or on Spotify, thank you all so much for taking the time to listen. If you've made it this far in the episode, congratulations. It's been a long one, but a good one. Um, you can find the YouTube channel at Merit Makers Podcast on YouTube. For those of you watching on video, thank you so much for joining us as well. If there's anyone out there who wants to be a guest on the show, whether you're a crew member or talent like James here, uh, please feel free to fill out the form in the description. Um, it'll be the first link on there. You can click that. Just give us some basic information about yourself, and I'll be in touch for anyone who wants to be a guest on the show. Um, I should also mention as well, Part of the deal here for being able to host the show in our wonderful space is uh, I'm going to mention the Sycamore again. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Sycamore Studio, they're a place out of Plain City. They offer um, a 3,000 square foot psych space for production. For those of you who want to shoot some small car stuff or even do talking heads, it's a fantastic space to be able to have a small to mid-tier production. We also have an editing suite here available and this podcast room. So for those of you who are interested in using the space or maybe you want to host your own show, maybe do your own podcast, you can be sitting here in this chair or that chair or any of these uh, areas in the podcast room to have your own show. Feel free to reach out over Instagram or via the website and they'll be more than happy to hook you up. So there's the plug for the Sycamore. Without further ado, I think that's going to be it for me. James, once again, thanks for coming out. Of course. And, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. Hope to see you again in the future.